All Stars Assemble! It's the Challenge Historian All Stars 2 Preview Extravaganza coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in The Challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very, very much for being here on this joyous day today where past, present, and future of the challenge will all be on the docket because we are here to discuss All-Stars Season 2, which begins one week from today over on Paramount Plus, the 11th of November. And it is truly amazing that we are here considering it was only June of 2020. That's only 17 months ago that the We Want OGs movement was born out of the brain of the godfather Mark Long. And to think in that short span of time, we went from hashtag on Twitter, to full-blown social movement, to producers saying yes to filming, to putting that on our television screens, and now for a second time, twice a second season already, 17 months after that initial tweet, that is insanity of the highest order, and is also truly exciting and truly, truly wonderful. We are so grateful to the Godfather and every fan that made that movement happen in the first place. We're thankful to all of the behind-the-scenes people that are cutting the checks and giving the OKs, the Buna Murrays, the Paramounts, the MTVs, whoever it is. Thank you for allowing this to happen and putting it on our television screens. We loved the first season of All-Stars, and now we are back to talk about all things season two. Now... As for the agenda for this podcast, there is a lot that could be discussed about All-Stars 2 and the Challenge Universe in general, and if you've listened to the show for any length of time, even one episode, you know that I could easily talk about it all for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and no stopping in sight, but I don't want to do that because, well, I doubt that any of you have time for a 10-plus hour podcast or want to hear a 10-plus hour podcast, so even if I could provide one, We're not going to do that. So to make sure that it is not that, we will set forth an agenda and stick to it. Here is that agenda. First up, we are going to do what I will begin to call a state of the challenge address. Every season preview, we will do one of these state of the challenge address where I discuss just kind of where the show is at in the current moment, especially right now with the two strands of the show running simultaneous to each other where the show seems to be heading, the franchise is heading, the pros and cons of it all, all things of that nature. So State of the Challenge address up top. Then from there, we will get directly into All-Stars 2 with a full trailer breakdown followed by a full cast breakdown. Yes, all 24 returning All-Stars getting a mention. Then a brief discussion of what we know so far about the house, the location, the format, the host, TJ, amazing as always. There we go. So far... And finally, we're going to end it all by then previewing what I'm hoping for, what I'm expecting, and yes, what I am predicting is I will set power rankings going into the season and give my picks for who I think will make the final and the one person I believe will be walking away with $500,000 at the end of this. And I mean it, all 10. I'm going to predict all 10 people that I expect to make the final and the one that I believe will win it. 
No spoilers involved. I have done none of that online sleuthing. These are just purely predictions from one historian to another out there listening. So that is a lot to get to. But before we dive in, a few super fast housekeeping notes. First off, for the entirety of the season of All-Stars 2, I will be doing episode recap podcasts. Those will be coming out every Thursday, which is why this one's coming out Thursday. One week from today, the first episode recap will drop. Same day the episode does, which is on Thursdays again, starting on the 11th, next Thursday, Paramount Plus, stream it every Thursday. I assume that's you know midnight Wednesday, beginning of Thursday, they're available. I will watch them as early in the day as I can, and then watch them again, take some notes, record the podcast, get it out, likely Thursday afternoon. So, those all-star recap pods will be found in the same place. This pod has been found so far. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, any podcast platform you use, I promise if you search Challenge Historian, you will find me there. And make sure that when you do, you hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Go hit that follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, along with those Thursday recap pods for All-Stars 2, for at least five more weeks, plus however many reunion episodes there will be, there is going to still be Wednesday night Spies, Lies, and Allies recap pods as well. Those will always be done immediately after the show airs on Wednesday. We will film our podcast. We will get it out super late that night, likely you know early in the Thursday morning hours. So you will be seeing these Spies, Lies, and Allies recaps pop up first late Wednesday, early Thursday, and then immediately after that, later that Thursday, the All-Stars 2 recap podcast. But that's not all. Two podcasts isn't enough. So we will be having a third podcast a week because along with the two recaps, we will keep our review preview Tuesday show, which formerly was a Spies, Lies, and Allies review preview, but now will transform from just that into a week on this week on the challenge review preview covering both Spies, Lies, and Allies and All-Stars 2. So three pods total a week, one each to recap the shows going on and a third one to preview both shows coming up that week. It's challenge content coming in hot all week long. Three podcasts a week coming your way for the foreseeable future while both of these seasons run simultaneous to each other. All right. That's out of the way. Hope you are ready to talk all things All-Stars 2 because I sure am. So we're going to go ahead and dive right on in and get started with our State of the Challenge Address. The State of the Challenge on this day, November 4th. 2021. One week out from All-Stars 2 in the back half of Spies, Lies, and Allies airing. Where is the challenge in the franchise at? So um, I'd like to start doing these at the beginning of every 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 preview pod for any new season. I'd like to just kind of, you know, be able to talk a little bit about where the show is actually at in the future. It might be a, a little more thought out, more formal sort of thing. Who knows? This one's going to be much more kind of off the cuff, and uh, it hasn't been rehearsed in any way or really uh, thought through that much, other than I have a lot of feelings on this subject, and we'll see which ones come out here in the next couple minutes while we talk about a few things, and some of this has been discussed by me um, recently on some of my Tuesday review preview shows during the Spies, Lies, and Allies season, Uh, but this is a good chance that the start of any new season is a great chance just to kind of assess where everything is, where fan sentiment is, where the where the franchise is going, where it's been, where it's going, where it is, uh, opportunities, weaknesses, that sorts of things. So let's talk about a couple things regarding the state of the challenge, shall we? Um, 
the first the beginning of all of this is simply is simply this it is it is if you're out there at all if you're a fan of the show um and you do anything beyond just simply watch the show when it airs which is probably the best way to actually go about this similar to pretty much everything uh, we do in life. You might want to just re- consume the content and uh, then not go on social media, not listen to people like me d- drone on and on about it. Although maybe just listen to me and not everyone else. Um, that's what I'm supposed to say, right? Yeah, correct. Anyways, um, but you know, maybe sometimes it's a good thing just to consume it, be enjoy, be entertained by it, and then move on with your life and watch it again the following week and not be wrapped up in kind of the discourse around it and everyone else's feelings, shading your own feelings and things like that. But of course, none of us can do that. It's 2021. We're all on Twitter or Instagram and reading blog posts and hopefully listening to podcasts like this one um, and things of that nature. And it goes pretty, it's pretty clear. Uh, fan consensus can be a hard thing to come by to be able to gauge, you know, the full fan base. There's you know, mil- literally million, a couple million people out there that enjoy this show in some capacity. And so to get a consensus, a good view of all of them is, is tough, but I feel like we're kind of have it right now. And that is that the last couple seasons, the regular seasons of the show, double agents and now spies, lies and allies, and even total madness before that, the enthusiasm for the regular show has kind of slowly waned a bit. It's ebbed and flowed over the entire 37 season run of the show, certainly. Uh, but it, I've, Felt like it was picking up again, you know, Dirty 30 came along and kind of rejuvenated or rethought what the franchise was for the, you know, umpteenth time that they kind of redid themselves and they had the little trilogy. Then we had the War of the Worlds back to back. And then these last three, it just feels like things have waned a little bit. And simultaneous to that, the enthusiasm for All-Stars has skyrocketed. Not only the enthusiasm that existed that that got All-Stars to happen in the first place, but then now, especially in the last month or two, as Spies, Lies, and Allies hasn't been received exceptionally well, we will say to be nice by a large segment of the the fan community, of you know the Reddit community, the Twitter community around the challenge, and of the both the the kind of mainstream media folks involved with the challenge directly that then talk about it or write about it, as well as the kind of independent group of us out here, the big group of us podcasting or writing about the show, the enthusiasm for the current show dipped in all the kind of sentiment all along was because we knew All-Stars, we loved All-Stars so much, and we the moment we heard All-Stars 2 was coming, it was like, get out of here with Spies, Lies, and Allies, give me All-Stars 2, and I totally get that. I have kind of rallied, railed against that a little bit in the last few weeks, uh, kind of trying to stand up a little bit for the Spies, Lies, and Allies season that I like a little bit more than most, it seems, although it is, it's definitely the last episode or two I've given in and admitted um, that it has let me down a little in the moments where I thought it was going to start picking back up and picking up more fans along the way. It has not done that. I'm still hoping for a little bit of that turnaround and things to really rev up the action, really rev up there. But um I totally get it. There's there's a nostalgia play at factor here, clearly, which is kind of which is you know s- typical and standard across the world of pop culture and entertainment culture right now. Anyways, with you know whether it's movie or television or books, podcast, music, everything, uh, nostalgia has been big for for a while now, um, especially in the television and film world. You know the reboots, the reimaginings, the the IP overtaking everything. Everything has to be a part of something else. All of that 
is definitely a big part and a big factor in the fa- in in why All Stars even you know, beyond the fan movement, but it was a big reason why the fan movement could be taken to the actual people that make the decisions and sign the checks at Paramount or Buna Murray or wherever. And those people to actually say, Hey, this doing something like this, doing something like real world homecoming is in vogue right now is something people want across the board. So yeah, let's do it. If there's if we're seeing sentiment, let's do it. So that nostalgia play is huge. One of the biggest issues I think in the enthusiasm for all stars versus the regular show is simply casting issues, casting both on the regular show, trying to work in a lot, a lot of new faces. And it takes time for those new faces to take hold who pops, who doesn't, who we fall in love with, who we then see on their second, third, fourth season and can learn to appreciate and love the way we love some of the other people that we've seen built up over the years, over the seasons. Um, I certainly have my quarrels with some of the casting issues, casting decisions that have been made on the regular show of late. Some of the people they are bringing back for some of the people they are not what they're kind of going for, what they're giving out. I, as, as I said before, and pretty much in all things related to both spies, lies and allies, double agents and total madness, I'm a little higher than most on the cast on all things related to it. But I, I observe that there are some issues there and that in combination with that, when people are clamoring for where are all the people I want to see, why are they not on this show? Along comes all stars and brings some of those people back, which we'll get to more of that in a minute. All stars one did all stars two. We'll talk about the cast in a moment, but um, there's this enthusiasm really for me. It started and began with the biggest blown opportunity that the challenge franchise ever made. And that was the the opportunity that the pandemic presented to them. And I'm, I apologize for every one of us has been affected in bad ways by the pandemic. I don't like saying opportunity of the pandemic. I understand that um, an amazing amount of horrible shit has happened uh, because of the pandemic that we are still living through and have been. Um, But in that pandemic, one thing, some things got interesting opportunities that came out of it. One of them was the challenge. And I talked about it when it happened and when they missed on it. But the challenge what is you know considered by some like myself to be you know the fifth major sport, um, it, to, but to be a sport and to be a big thing, a thing I care about on a way different level, on the level that most people care about their favorite sports franchise, and all of us that love this show feel a similar way about it. And when the pandemic started and all other entertainment was shut down and sports were shut down and there was nothing on your televisions, they had already banked and filmed Total Madness. And that was coming out. And I remember the day they announced Total Madness. It was like a month or two into the pandemic. I was like, holy shit, everyone's going to watch this. Everyone's dying for something to watch and nothing's getting produced right now and no live stuff is happening. So this is amazing. Everyone's going to fall in love with the challenge. This is unbelievable. And then Total Madness, while a season I enjoyed a lot, was a season that was not conducive to bringing in a bunch of new fans. The cast was solid, but putting them in a bunker and doing this, let's see how crazy we can drive these people. That version of the show wasn't going to bring in all these new fans. I stand by if War of the Worlds 2 would have been where Total Madness was and it would have dropped with all those potential eyeballs on it at the beginning of the pandemic, this show would be an immensely bigger thing than it even currently is, which is a very big successful thing already. But so I kind of missed that opportunity, then doubled down on it when they were one of the first things to be able to film something new during the pandemic. And then double agents again, 
kind of a letdown. So there was this huge opportunity. It was missed. Enthusiasm drops for the regular show. Enthusiasm goes sky high through the roof for All-Stars. And then All-Stars support from Paramount uh, comes in a huge wave. And we discussed this a few weeks ago, but it has to be said again, that clearly Paramount, who I'm going to continue saying as, whether it's Paramount, CBS, Viacom, Buna Murray, MTV, whoever you want to call the decision makers, the the big, the overarching company is Paramount. Um, they clearly put their entire support behind All Stars over the regular show at this point, and we know this because when they announced All Stars one, they did so so that it would go double agents. Right when double agents ends, boom! All Stars one. You're always going to have the challenge on your television screens every single week. We're going to own the calendar, and then they went right into season thirty-seven. And then they announce All-Stars 2, and they don't just announce it, but they say it's starting with five episodes left of Spies, Lies, and Allies. They're going to overlap. Instead of owning that calendar, something every week, they're saying, we see it, we know the fans are a little out on this season, they're kind of done with this current season, so we're just going to give them All-Stars 2 as quickly as we can to try to keep the momentum for that property going strong. And then on top of all of that, They've already started filming All-Stars 3 or are in the process of starting to film it right now. We believe or told, led to believe the cast has already left to start filming right now as we speak. So we're going to get All-Stars 3 pretty quickly after All-Stars 2, way before we get season 38. And honestly, it might it looks like we might get All-Stars 3 and 4 even before we ever get a season 38 just off the way the condensed schedule to film it and the locations they're choosing being more conducive to filming fast in a winter months over the course of this coming winter versus getting ready to film a full all-star or full season 38. So the support of Paramount is very, very much behind all-stars and not the regular season. All-stars again is also only on their streaming platform. It is not airing on MTV. Another reason why MTV, the actual live channel is a dying thing as most of them are in Paramount Plus, the streaming platform is what all the money's really behind the future of that company in general, and All Stars is a big part of that. So, full support from fan base and from the the production side for All Stars over the regular season, and that begs the question: Then, is the regular show going to become All Stars? Is All Stars going to become the regular show? Are they going to run simultaneous to each other in harmony long term? Or is one going to morph into the other? Are they going to take things from the other until they kind of basically are the same things, just with different names? And what I mean by that is, you know, is the regular show going to have to become shorter again um, just to be compete with the fact that cast members, we're already starting to see it with the supposed cast of All-Stars 3 being a lot of people you would kind of still like to see on the regular season and a younger group of all-stars from the first two seasons of cast that we're seeing again, rumored all-stars three cast. But if someone says, you know, you can be on the challenge, there's a one month version that takes one month out of your lives to film, maybe with quarantine still five, six weeks, or you could be on the regular one and that takes 10, 12, 14 weeks out of your life. Plus you got to fly for a reunion somewhere, this, that, and the other, you're probably picking the short term one. It's the same thing, but shorter in and out efficient, and we're clearly already seeing that some cast members are like, yeah, I'll do that one, but I don't want to do this one. Um, so do both of them have to get shorter? Do they scrap the regular show altogether and just say, why don't we do 10 seasons All-Stars and see where we're at? Um, does All-Stars, 
you know, if that happens, then is All Stars just the regular show? Do we say we're not calling it All Stars anymore, or maybe we are, but no more rookies? Anyone that's been on the show is available, no matter how old, young, how many seasons they've done, and we're calling it, you know, instead of All Stars three or All Stars four, we'll call it season thirty eight. And this is the real deal again, but it's done in the all-stars format. Who knows? Um, it seems like both of them living in harmony uh, long-term is going to be a difficult thing. Um, but uh, we'll see. One's going to influence the other. I'm guessing, um, and I definitely, uh, not to get ahead of myself, but my I have a pitch to solve any and all of the anything that's actually wrong, uh, which I know I'm making it sounds like there's a lot of things wrong, and there's not. We'll get to that, too. But uh, I imagine the show wants to get to season 40, bare minimum, that they're not just going to be like, you know what? It's all-stars only from here on out. Scrap the actual long version of the show because they've already done 37 seasons. It's a really I know it sounds silly and totally arbitrary, but it matters to be able to say season 40. That will be a big deal. So I, I think there's no way it gets anywhere below 40 seasons of the regular show um, and then however many of the all-stars, hopefully even more than 40 of the regular show because all it takes, you know, get the format a little simpler. Basically, yeah, take all-stars but do a long version of a more simple format, a little more fun, beef up the cast, make it a little more efficient for them to do and, you know, maybe both can live on in harmony. But, the final thing on this that worries me, and I, I hate to start this long, long podcast on All-Stars 2 on a slight downer, but the thing that worries me is everyone's been clamoring for All-Stars 2 now for about a three, four weeks since the trailer dropped. And when we talk about the cast later on, we've got to say, with respect to all of them, I'm excited for all 24 people. But if you were to ask me to go through the list of every person who has ever appeared on the challenge, which I've actually done this and say how many of these people are all-stars how many of these to you are legit are all-stars are worthy of being on the all-stars season well i can tell you i will actually pull up in the moment here i did that myself and i've got about 75 names on my lists and some of those are very new fresh names that i kind of think are even if they've been on one or two seasons are are people that are all-stars in the making, deserving of the title already. But I've got 75. And of those 75, this season of All-Stars 2 features one, two, three, four, five, uh, and six, seven. Seven of the 24 people on this season. I I personally went off my list of every single challenger ever in the history of the show, looked through the list, moved over all the ones I considered all-stars, ended up with about 75, and seven of those people are on this season of all-stars. So out of 24, seven, I don't have the numbers in front of me of what I thought of all-stars one, but it was certainly, it was higher than that. And so while, again, we're going to talk about the full cast in a minute, and we're excited for a lot of them that I wouldn't have considered all-stars to be coming back, and that definitely can prove that and be wonderful television personalities and wonderful in this game and amazing. But I am a little worried that everyone that's been clamoring for all-stars too is going to actually now watch the show and be like, ugh, I still want person A, I still want person B, I still want person C, where's person D? Wait, I want this person, this person, and this person, and they're not here. And I feel like some of the same casting complaints that a lot of fans have had of the regular show might start to pop up already 
on All-Stars. Um, looking ahead to the Speculated All-Stars 3 cast, a little less so, but I uh, got to say that. And again, finally, to wrap this long, long, long thing up, my pitch to solve solve all of this, which again, there's not a lot to solve. The challenge is still amazing. Let's start there. The challenge is absolutely amazing. Obviously, I talk about it all day, every day. I love this. I adore it. 37 seasons in, second season coming in hot of All-Stars, other spinoffs in the past. All of it's amazing. It's still in a great, wonderful place. It still is. I mean, All-Stars is the thing Paramount Plus is promoting the most of their new streaming platform. Is what they led the initial release of their streaming platform with. It's what they're promoting like crazy. And regardless of any complaints or any ratings being lower, in a vacuum, the ratings for season 37 are still solid compared to other things on cable. It's still one of the highest rated shows on cable on its time slot with the demographic they're looking for. So it's still in a healthy place. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. And I personally still love it and think even higher of it than it seems a lot of other fans. But if there were anything to fix or to get it back to a place of true, true, true greatness... I've got the idea for it, and I will be releasing that idea, the full pitch for the perfect season, the greatest season there ever could possibly be of the challenge this Sunday on my YouTube channel, Challenge Historian. So look for that. Depending when you're listening to this podcast, it may already be out there. So that'll be coming on Sunday. That is kind of where the challenge is at right now. It's in a great place, but there's some interesting things going on with the enthusiasm waning and flowing from one property to the other. It'd be very fascinating to see where having both of these shows overlapping at the same time, where ratings go, where the audience's eyeballs go and their thoughts go and kind of the community around it goes. But if you're like me, you're just in love with the fact that we get to watch two different seasons of the challenge at the exact same time. That is amazing. So that's the state of the challenge. A lot longer than we expected. But with that, we'll move into purely talk of All-Stars 2, starting with a full trailer breakdown of this wonderful, glorious trailer. A lot of amazing stuff in this and a lot of things to talk about. So let's do that now. Some of you have been waiting a long time for this. The chance to capture that elusive victory. Earn your second chance, you gotta work harder and dig deeper. Welcome to the all new second season of the Challenge All Stars. I wanna make my kids proud, the fans proud. My only option is to win. Season two will be the best challenge that they ever had. competition is going to get nasty. Last season was the first time I have ever lost the final. I am back for redemption. Oh, God! Something always comes around to bite you in the ass. You think a friend say, hey, there's my bag. You want to put a knife in it? If I come in first, I know exactly who I'm throwing in. It's about to get ugly, y'all. Let's go. I don't even know what I'm getting myself into, but I'm f***ing ready. The grand prize is $500,000. That's life-changing money. You ain't seen nothing yet. Please, please, please! The Challenge All-Stars, streaming November 11th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. 
What a minute and a half of wonderful, wonderful content that is. That was the the All-Stars 2 trailer for those just listening. Sorry, it's a little weird to listen to a visual trailer, but for those watching on YouTube, you just watch the whole, the whole thing there. And we're going to break down everything we just saw for one minute and 36 seconds there. This wonderful, amazing trailer for All-Stars 2. Uh, and a few notes on it from watching it that we have. We'll kind of avoid any of the notes that related to actual the cast because we're going to talk about the entire cast here in a moment right after we're done with this. So first thing, going in order as it happened through that trailer. We're not going to go second by second, but a lot of notes to cover in order of how they happened in that trailer that we just watched and or listened to. So first one, the ch- just to start it all off at the beginning and the very end, the Challenge All-Stars logo is still so, so dope and gives the perfect like Olympus gods vibe with the kind of like the clouds and the very, the long horizon in the background of the gold words. It just, it just looks beautiful. So to the design team behind that one, you did perfect. Um, Then first real note about the footage starts and we get immediately challengers on boats and more importantly on boats in the middle of the ocean with short sleeves and tank tops and shorts on, which means warm weather season, baby Cancun, here we come. Yes, 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 yes. The best of all the many, many great places to have a season of the challenge. The best of them all anywhere in Mexico. It always works. It just always, always works. Mexico and Thailand kind of tied, but Mexico, number one, this one is in Cancun, spoiler uh, we'll talk about that later on. But it's a warm weather season. You see that immediately. They're on the boats. They're looking good. We start with shots of Brad and Darrell right off the top. They're leading the way with here's two of the biggest all-stars we have returning on this season of all-stars. So good job leading with them. Then we get to the arena. Oh, my God. The overhead shot of the arena. Uh, you know, every every version of the elimination, the layer, the gulag, the arena, the whatever they want to call it any single time. This I'm assuming they're calling it the arena. Again, that's what they did on All-Stars 1. It looks dope. It almost always looks dope, but it's always a good thing to know they didn't drop the ball in that one one spot. I was about to say that one arena. That was horrible. Um, so the arena looks sick. Uh, big. I, lo- I love a circular fashion where it kind of makes the whole thing seem like this one little pit. Uh, circles just work the best for these sorts of things. Um, it looks amazing. Um, and that's all we got on that. Uh, then the, maybe the biggest note of the whole trailer that I, I had to, I mean, I've watched this trailer probably 25 times now, but, uh, on one of those rewatches when I actually was starting to take these notes was I had to stop, pause, look at it, rewind, look again, go forward, see it again in a different spot, go further forward, see it again. I I wasn't buying it. It took me time after time of seeing it to buy it, but we're sponsored by Reebok now. What the hell? Where did Under Armour go? This is an Under Armour-based franchise. We are sponsored by Under Armour. We're the challenge, damn it. Where is the Under Armour gear? Why are they all wearing Reebok? Um, And in combination with that, why does there seem to be a new logo for All Stars, which is the, uh, the the horned skull, which looks exactly like the Project Rock logo, which is Dwayne the Rock Johnson's 
line within Under Armour, his fitness brand, which people like CT have been wearing on the current season of the show all season long. So we bring in what looks to be the Rock's logo from Project Rock with Under Armour as the new logo for All Stars. But at the same time, we're sponsored by Reebok now. What the hell? No shots at Reebok. Wonderful clothes. If you wear Reebok clothes, they're great. Wonderful, wonderful company, wonderful brand. But Under Armour, we've been Under Armour before Under Armour was cool. The challenge was Under Armour as Under Armour picked up bigger and bigger names, bigger and bigger market share, became more and more of a straight-up steadfast competitor to the Nikes of the world. The challenge was there the whole time. The challenge was there before Tom Brady, before Dwayne The Rock Johnson, before Jordan Speed, before Steph Curry, before Chase Young, before all the Olympians, before Elena Della Don, before, before all of these other unbelievable athletes you had the challenge. You had the CTs, the Johnny Bananas, the Cara Marias, the Anisas of the world wearing Under Armour. Now we're ditching it. Is this just for All Stars? Is this to, or you think the crowd is older? The All Stars crowd is older, so we go with a different brand to kind of what's going on. But that shook me. Obviously, that that had me shook. Gonna take. It's gonna take a lot of getting used to the Reebok logo versus the Under Armour logo. Anyways, uh, back to the trailer itself then. Dope cover of All Star by Smash Mouth. Really, really enjoy a good cover song for your trailer, movie, television show, anything. Love a dope cover. This is a fantastic one. Wherever this, if this is available somewhere out there, please point me that way. We then get Nehemiah giving the toast. Nehemiah taking the mantle of Johnny Bananas of All Stars, I guess, uh, is leading the the toast out by the pool claiming this is going to be the best season they ever did of the challenge. Lofty expectations to set for yourself, but shout-outs to Nehemiah for taking up that role. Of uh, He's kind of the, you know, there's seven or eight of them or so back from All-Stars 1 on to All-Stars 2. He's kind of taken up the lead as kind of the standard bearer of the All-Stars platform potentially here with that. So always love seeing a nice toast at the beginning of a season. Uh, we talked about the new logo, the horn skull. Looks like Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Under Armour logo, but don't know, but it's everywhere. It's on the front of the semi-truck that we see. It's uh, very, it's big painted right below where everyone stands in the arena. We see it in multiple different of the, I assume, daily challenges they're playing. Um, so we see it everywhere. So it seems like that's a legitimate the logo for All-Stars now. We see trivia. We see eating. We see puzzles. We see water. We see heights over water. We see two people eliminations, one person eliminations. We see a basketball hoop over water where you jump and dunk it on your way into the water. We see a lot of stuff that looks awesome. The daily challenges and eliminations, the glimpses of them we get in this are amazing. And as always, because I want to avoid spoilers, I'm not going to study those portions of this the way others might to try to deduce, oh, who's there, how long, whatever. Um, so all of that looks great. Then we get to the end of it. Katie still hates heights. It is still is fantastic on television. Uh, wonderful, amazing moment to end the whole thing on with Katie in what I assume is a trivia challenge. They're all standing up, uh, on some sort of platform overhanging a building. So that's a wonderful moment to end on. Kind of overall notes on it. We only got maybe half of the 24 people involved, maybe even a slightly less than that as far as actually getting any real screen time or talking time in the trailer. I know it's only a minute and a half, but I thought we might get a little bit more of all of them. Again, don't want to try to read too much into that from an editing standpoint of, you know, hey, we didn't hear Brad talk. Does that mean Brad 
isn't around for the long haul in this season, or does that mean he's going to win this season? Who knows? We're you know we're not going to dive into that, but interesting. Only about half, maybe half of the people even got real time there. And the final thing related to the trailer: Did watching this trailer get me super pumped for this season? Yes, unequivocally, absolutely, positively, yes. This is going to be amazing. All stars too. So. That's the trailer, uh, without going too deep again on any of the nitty-gritty editing, trying to put together what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. It looks like a lot of amazing is going to happen. That's all we know. It looks like everyone's excited to be there. We got good dailies. We got good eliminations. The arena looks dope. The house, the glimpses of the house we get look dope. Uh, the, the, it's warm weather. We're sponsored by Reebok now. Nehemiah's the new Johnny Bananas. A lot of interesting stuff happening in the trailer. So with that, let's move from trailer to cast, and let's do our long-waited-for full breakdown, all 24 all-star OG legends coming back to us. Let's talk about each and every one in order. Let's do our cast breakdown. Time to talk about our cast. 24 challenge all-stars coming back into our lives. We're going to talk about every single one of them in order. And we thought originally we were going to do this in reverse alphabetical order just for the simple fact that we felt like everyone else doing this similar thing is probably going to go in alphabetical order. And that means that, you know, the same people are always going to get talked about first or last in these orders. We want to be fair to everyone. But then we noticed that two of the people were probably the most, probably the two people we are the most excited for on this season and to talk about on this season are the last two. And it seemed like, a good, you know, save the best for last, save the ones we're most excited for for last. So we're doing it in alphabetical order. Some of them will be a little shorter or longer than others based on our feelings on them, as we mentioned during the state of the challenge. While I'm excited for all of these people, I'm stoked on this season. So stoked on this season. Um, there are some people here similar to All Stars 1 that, you know, with you saying what what's an all-star what's an og what's a legend what's the qualifications for making it on to all-stars uh they're they're a little more even limited than they were on all-stars season one it's pretty much that you appeared at some point some of these folks even if they have very minimal challenge careers were you know the techs of the world that we talked about in all-stars one returning on all-stars two we'll talk about them in a moment but a good example of uh, a real world all-star tech was one of the greatest on the, his season of the real world there ever was even if he did limited time on the challenge it was great to have him coming back knowing he's going to bring uh just a pure excitement and entertainment to our television screen so some of the folks fit in that category but honestly there are a few people that it's just kind of like let's let's put it this way let's put it this way let's be super honest when i got this list of 24 people when it was finally confirmed confirmed and i was willing to actually look at it knowing it was truly the list of 24 people that we were going to see on this season i had to ask myself who three of them were and uh, as someone who calls himself a challenge historian and who watches old seasons all of the time and who feels like Anyone worth talking about on this show, if you said their name, I would be able to tell you two or three highlights of them. If I've got to ask who three people are, uh, that's not a great start. But um, it is a great cast. And we're going to talk about all, each and every one of them, even those three people who at first I didn't quite remember just off of their name. But then once I did a little digging, a lot of memories did come flooding back. And so let's talk about each and every one of these people, starting from the top. 
no time limit per person, but we will try to move rather quickly. 24 people. I know I've already talked a long time on this podcast, and it's going to take a while. So we'll try to go as quickly as we can, starting from the top with number one. First up is Ayana Mackins, who originally showed up on our television screens in Road Rules Semester at Sea, iconic season of Road Rules. They gave us a lot, a lot of great people. Among them, Ayana, who's done three seasons of the challenge. She was on Extreme Challenge, Battle of the Sexes, and Battle of the Sexes 2. So we last saw her season nine, Battle of the Sexes 2. Challenge stats, uh, the three seasons, five out of 20 on daily challenges, five wins and 20 tries, no eliminations to speak of in her career, no finals, no championships, no money. One, one DQ for fighting on extreme challenge. The, the rundown of Ayana is basically this. I will admit this is one of the three people I certainly remembered the least about and was the most kind of surprised to see the name and had to do a little digging. Um, we do know fiery personality one for, she did get DQ'd for the fighting and there was more than just the fighting. There was a lot of, there was a lot of verbal fighting, if you will, on that season before any actual, uh, fighting that got her sent home was had. Um, and you know, then she was a part of battle sex is one and two or two seasons that, you know, the concept of it sounds awesome at the beginning, but the actual execution of it both times didn't really work work um for a handful of different reasons but it just didn't it didn't totally work um as great great seasons of the challenge and i'm kind of just rambling because i don't have a lot to say so that's ayana she's back in our lives and we will see back for the first time since battle of the sexes two so moving on to number two Second up is brad brad one of the biggest names uh to be brought back for This season of All-Stars, Brad Fiorenza, originally from Real World San Diego, 10-timer club member, 10 challenges to his name, rookie season Battle of the Sexes 2, then did Inferno 2, Gauntlet 2, Duel, Gauntlet 3, Duel 2, Ruins, Cutthroat, Vendettas, and Final Reckoning. Had that big, long layoff between Cutthroat, where he got his first ever win, to then Vendettas, where he came back, what would that be, 11 seasons later? Uh, 11, yeah, 11 seasons later and did a little two, two season comeback on vendettas in final reckoning his stats first daily challenges. He's won 43 out of 111. That's a 39% win percentage, a pretty good percentage given that he's been on 10 seasons. He's six and five overall in eliminations and 11 eliminations under his belt. Again, one of the most kind of been around the longest and most accomplished players of this list of all-stars. Finals, he's been to four finals, dual, gauntlet three, dual two, and then cutthroat, which is the one time he got that elusive challenge championship on cutthroat with the red team, along with, at that time, fiance, Tori, along with Dunbar, Tyler, and sorry, whoever I'm forgetting on that team, there was at least one more person on the team, I apologize, but anyways, with the red team, got that one win, won $75,000 in his challenge career for that one win. And he has one disqualification to his name that was very infamously on the ruins where he likely would have gotten his first championship pretty easily as his team, the champions, walked to the victory that season. Um, but he did not because he got sent home because he got drunk and talked some shit to Darrell for literally no reason. And Darrell beat the shit out of him 
and they both got sent home for this altercation. One of the uh, one of the most violent moments in challenge history. Darrell, professional boxer uh, at the time, amateur professional, whatever, legitimate boxer. Darrell is not who you want to talk shit to for literally no reason when you're drunk. Brad got. He got beat on that one. Pretty bad. They both got sent home. So one DQ, one championship, four finals, six and five eliminations, 43 daily challenge wins, 10 seasons. Brad, one of the most decorated people easily on this season of All-Stars. To me, was kind of maybe the original best player without a championship. He kind of had that that uh that moniker to him as a you know a great great challenge competitor through his first you know six seasons six seven seasons where he got second early on in the duel and he got second on the duel where what first off he got i i did sorry i know he hates to hear this but he got lucky to make the final they there was weird the duel they only had two people in the final it came down to the last elimination ct versus brad to go up against wes in the final and ct pushes him right over, but rips the flag off of the carabiner versus the carabiner off. He gets disqualified, very famous disqualification. Brad, you know, takes advantage of it, goes to the final, and honestly, easily could have won the final. The final really between him and Wes came down to they started it off with a uh, basically like a penalty shootout, like a soccer penalty shootout, and Brad had never kicked a soccer ball in his life, and Wes like played maybe even collegiate-level soccer or something um, and gave Wes a five-minute head start that he never never relinquished and brad got second there then on the duel two brad gets second again this time literally the closest finish we've ever had in the challenge history of the challenge one second loss to evan on the duel two literally they both get off the last uh they have to pull themselves up by a chain on a little platform grab something come back down on the chain hop off and run over the tj like 30 feet over to tj and evan beats him by one step one second so a couple times he'd gotten second place and by the time cutthroat came around before he actually won that elusive championship he was probably the first person to ever be considered you know the the best player without a title is a thing that happens in a lot of sports and he had that moniker for a while but got rid of it with that title on cutthroat um and then he had that late period comeback, Vendetta's final reckoning, which was interesting to say the least. It was a slightly different Brad um, that we got then, a super jacked version of Brad, still very jacked to this day. This trailer looks like my man stayed keyed in on his fitness throughout his entire life, always been a good athlete on these shows. Doesn't seem to have waned at all with a few extra years on him. Um, but, uh, but, you know, he famously was one of the first famous challenge romances. He and Tori... Uh, get meet on the show, eventually get engaged, get married, have two beautiful children. They eventually get divorced um, and are no longer together. That's been quite a while now. Uh, so both been living separate single parent lives for a while. Um, and Brad came back to us on Vendettas as a single man, had his ro- showman's romance with Brittany during those seasons. Um, that's Brad in a nutshell. Brad's one of the most exciting people to be back on All Stars. He's perfect encapsulation of a true challenge all-star the perfect people we want to see back on this show that even though he can very much and he proved as much by coming back on vendettas um and final reckoning he can still easily compete on the regular version of the show um but is definitely one that you know was around for some of those very early seasons i mean his, his og season rookie season was battle of the sexes two season nine so uh wonderful all-star um also i can't can't believe I almost missed this. I said he lost Duel 2 by one second, which was unbelievable, but even more unbelievable was one of the greatest what-if moments. Brad's actually been part of 
two of them. We mentioned the CT disqualification is one of the big what-if moments in challenge history. One of the other ones is when last elimination before the final in Duel 2, Brad goes up against Landon and beats Landon in an upset and is the only time Landon ever lost on the challenge and is another massive what-if of if Landon wins that, he probably wins the final. He's four for four, four-time champion. Is he maybe the best ever? Brad's the one guy who ever took Landon down. Incredible and win. That is uh, that is Brad in a nutshell. So let's move on to our third challenger. Next up, we've got Casey. Casey Cooper coming back originally from Fresh Meat Season 1. She did four seasons of the challenge. Fresh Meat, Duel, Gauntlet 3, and Ruins. 13 daily challenge wins out of 43 chances. She is 5-3 and three in eliminations. One finals that was on her rookie season of Fresh Meat with partner Wes. Zero championships, $10,000 won, zero disqualifications for Casey. Most famous easily for that season of Fresh Meat where she was brand new to the challenge, as was her partner, Wes, who was her alumni partner, but was only at the time a real-world alumni, had not been on the challenge himself. Wes was uh, an interesting character on that season, to say the least, and Casey famously had to put up with a whole bunch of shit from West. They very famously went 5-0 and in Exiles with a lot, a lot of yelling, um, a lot of ugly yelling coming from West towards Casey during those Exiles. They got it done. She put up with it with pure grace, uh, made the final, didn't quite get the win on that season. Um, other highlights of her... Mostly, she's just a lovely person. She was just an awesome person on all all the seasons she was on. She was very gracious, both in Gauntlet 3 and the Ruins, about um, you know when it was her time to go in or not trying to talk herself up as something that she she wasn't, uh, but you know, holding herself well, competing hard, being a wonderful person, one of the kind of OG, like, man, that just seems like a really nice, like, actual, like, good person, and we don't always necessarily see the you know, people that come through on these shows is like, wow, they seem, they just seem like a good, a good hang, a good person, a good human being. She seemed that, um, you know, got to be mentioned another a pretty famous moment, her second season, then the duel night one, she hooks up with Johnny bananas. I forget whose birthday it was that night between, I think it was one of their birthdays. Uh, but anyways, night one of the duel that happened. So did have the briefest of romances with Challenge Goat or Possible Goat, depending your your personal rankings with Bananas there. Um, but overall, lovely person. Wonderful to see Casey coming back. Uh, very excited to see what she has in store for us. And wonderful to see. Love seeing the fresh meat love. Um, I, I'm a big fan, as you can tell, um, especially I think, I forget which shoulder it's over here, but over one of the shoulders, even got Fresh Meat 2 up on the wall. Fresh Meat 1 and 2 are two of my favorite seasons ever, and all of the people from those seasons, especially the rookies from those seasons, are some of my favorite cast members in the history of the show. Casey is among them. Very excited for Casey to be back with us. Kahuta is up next. Kahuta Grindstaff. What a last name. What a name. What a guy. What a person. Kahuta's back. Uh, I said my two, the two people I am most excited for are the last two people we'll talk about on this list. But if anyone, uh, almost broke into that top two and might be sitting in third, um, as far as who I'm absolutely thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to see back in the challenge world, it is Kahada. Love Kahada, originally from real world, Sydney, 
did four seasons of the challenge, the island ruins free agents and bloodlines. So spread his out over kind of a 10 episode or 10 season span. He did his four seasons of the show, only four daily challenge wins out of 17. So 24% daily challenge win rate three and four in eliminations. Never was able to make that final, never get that championship. No money won. Also never disqualified. Gotta, uh, was similar to what we just said about Casey. It was just all around great human being and was clear. Everyone in the house loved him. Every fan loved him, not just because he has a dope name and he's beautiful and has the long, luscious hair and the great accent, but he just seemed like a, a wonderful, amazing human being. Still seems to be that to this day. Um, I, I didn't do my deep dive research of what all these people are up to today in the real world, but I do know because I, I still follow Kahada as well as Abe, um, challenge Lord Abram. Uh, they do some work together. He's in construction, outdoor, is just living a life that uh, you could only imagine Kahada would be living and looks wonderful, looks awesome. Very excited to have him back. Probably his... Uh, different highlights from his time. Again, never got that final or championship, but did have some legitimate highlights throughout. He always had kind of a little on-again, off-again thing going on with Kelly Ann, who was on his season of Real World Sydney, and then they did, uh, I believe, you know, they were on the ruins together for sure, where it was a little interesting, a little love triangle-ish coming around with Wes and Kelly Ann being together on the ruins and Kahada being there and being a better person on that season than Wes was. Um, and also his probably maybe most famous moment was beating Wes on ruins uh, at the time, a monumental upset. And that has nothing to do with anything, any slack given to Kahuta, but just simply at that time, Wes had never, he maybe had lost once before. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he had it. Wes was the, the, the true elimination King at the time. He had went five and zero on, on, uh, on fresh meat, he had won at least one, the brutal pole wrestle versus Derek on the duel, if not couple on the duel. Um, and when he was on the ruins, he was put in over and over. He won his first two or three of that season. And then Kahato was the one that finally beat him in a game. Wes had already played before that season where they had to, it was kind of a version of not so fast almost, but where they had, they were attached to a rope that was, had been wrapped around a bunch of poles throughout this long course. And they had to work their way through the course and untie the pole or untie the rope. Um, but beating Wes in that was a huge, huge moment, probably his greatest victory, um, in his career, but Kahato's back been a while since we've seen us since been since bloodlines so uh more a little more recent than some of the others but still you know nine seasons ago ten seasons ago at this point so super excited couldn't be more thrilled for Kahada to be joining the cast of all stars too then we've got Darrell Darrell Taylor back yet again originally from road rules campus crawl uh, up there with Semester at Sea for maybe the most iconic cast to come out of the Road Rules franchise, that Campus Crawl crap. Campus Crawl cast, iconic, absolutely. Darrell has done nine seasons of the regular Challenge Plus, All-Stars 1. Um, it should have been said up front as far as the stats are considered on all of these players. They are not including All-Stars 1 stats. Um, so Darrell, nine seasons. Gauntlet was his rookie season. Then Inferno, Inferno 2, Fresh Meat, Ruins, Fresh Meat 2, Invasion, Dirty 30, and most recently, Double Agents came back out of pseudo-retirement to come out on Double Agents. And then, of course, on All-Stars 1, where he got second place in the final, the first final he ever lost. Famously, very, very famously, Darrell Taylor 
four finals, four championships to his name. They were Gauntlet, Inferno, Inferno 2, and Fresh Meat. His first four seasons, four for four champ. And then famously won disqualification for punching Brad in the face repeatedly on the ruins, as we previously mentioned when talking about Brad. And that was his fifth season where he easily would have walked his way with that whole champion's team to his fifth straight title. He then goes out first on Fresh Meat 2. He then goes out kind of late on Invasions, uh, late-ish on Dirty 30, and early-ish on Double Agents. So the the myth, the original GOAT, Darrell Taylor, who just to finish his stats here, 39 Daily Challenge wins out of 88. That's a 44% win rate. That's very good. Six and three in eliminations. And again, those four finals, four championships, $258,055 won on the show. They didn't make as much money for winning those when he, back when he was winning all of his titles in that Gauntlet Inferno era. Uh, but Darrell, the first, the original GOAT, the OG GOAT of the challenge, as we said, came back for All-Stars 1. Um, it was probably the, you know, the, the best resume, the highest stature as far as GOAT status, Mount Rushmore, greatest ever do it went about going into All-Stars 1, where he eventually got second place the first time he ever lost a final. He's back for some redemption from that, see if he can get back to a final and win it and get 500 grand, which is just amazing, just to, again, put in perspective the money difference between when he was winning shows. He won four straight shows and won a little over $250,000. If he were to win All-Stars, he gets 500 grand and doubles uh, doubles what in one time what he made any time before in winning four challenges. So a little perspective of where the show was and where it is. Um, that's Darrell. There's not much needs to be said about him. He is, should be said, the one of the 10 challenge legends I've got somewhere on my walls here. Where's Darrell? There he is. He's the only one of the 10 legends I've got on my personal walls behind me that is on this season of All-Stars. So if that gives you any indication of my feelings for Darrell, there you have it. Darrell, we'll talk about in predictions, but certainly one of the favorites heading into this season of All-Stars. Next up is Derek Chavez from Real World Cancun. First of three Real World Cancun alums returning to the challenge world. Derek was on, excuse me, three seasons of the challenge, debuted on Cutthroat, then was on Battle of the Seasons with the whole Cancun crew, and then again was on Rivals 2. So the last time we saw him on our TV screens, at least in the challenge world, was Rivals 2. He has two daily challenge victories out of 15 tries. He is one in three in eliminations, never was able to make that final or championship, and thus no money won. Also, no disqualifications. Not a ton of notes on Derek other than that Derek always was very good in the confessional side of things, was both a good narrator and just had some good wit and humor to him. Uh, remember him for that, certainly. Uh, forgetting right now who his rival was on Rival 2, um, but I believe they made it pretty decently far in that um, and was one of the early casualties on Cutthroat. Uh, just being one of the rookies on three teams. Rookies were very susceptible to going in early and often on that season. So Derek is back and will have a very potentially interesting advantage in this All-Stars house, given, again, the three real-world Cancun folks coming into the All-Stars house. Uh, the cast in general for All-Stars is kind of from all over the time period of the challenge. And, you know, a bunch of them have done a season or two maybe with each other, but it's been a while. And so the couple casts that really have a bunch of people, the Cancun, and then there's a couple Key Westers, um, 
they're definitely going to maybe have a little upper hand on the political side of having some strong, strong ties early on. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll see if, if the Cancun crew can ride that. They definitely have, you know, I don't I actually did all three of these. I'm trying to remember who was on Battle of the Seasons, the Cancun team. I know John A definitely was. Um, who we're about to talk about in a little bit. as And yeah, Jasmine was as well, and Derek was there. So yeah, all three of the Cancuners that are on this season of All-Stars did a season as allies, as teammates before together. So we'll see how much that helps out them, but excited to have Derek back in the fold in the Challenge universe. Another Derek, Derek K., Derek Kaczynski, uh, OG Challenge podcaster, Derek Kaczynski, OG Challenge legend, Derek K. From Road Rules Extreme, originally, there's two, I believe, Road Rules Extreme members in this All-Stars cast. Ten-timer club plus All-Stars, 10 seasons of the challenge for Derek. 42 daily challenge wins out of 102. He's done over 100 daily challenges. This man has been around a while that's a 41% win rate. One of the original elimination kings. Very difficult to eliminate this man. 10 and 5 in eliminations. He has made five finals in his career. Five out of 10. Half of the seasons he's been on, he's made the final. That would be Inferno 2, Inferno 3, Island, Ruins, and Dirty 30. And he has three titles to his name. A personal 3P, three seasons in a row for him that he was on. Inferno 3, Island, and Ruins. Winning $200,970 in that time. Never DQ'd always always a fighter and again we most recently saw him on all stars one where he did make the final and was one of the first ones maybe the first one eliminated him and yasella having the trouble in the canoe um we'll see if he's learned how to steer a canoe or kayak if they have to do that on this season but Derek, um along with Darrell and along with brad really are the three you know not only just because they're 10 timer club members or Darrell very very close if you count all stars 10 timer club members um but just you know, very high up there on re- legitimate, when you say OG, all-star, legends of the game, uh, Derek comes up pretty early. Um, and, you know, his list of iconic moments is long. Um, a few of them just to rehash now that will certainly come up throughout the season. Most recently as a mercenary on Vendettas coming in and having the the version of pole wrestle, I believe they called it Crazy Eight, where they had to hold onto the eight versus Joss. One of the greatest elimination rounds ever in the history of the show and doing it as a mercenary. So I guess technically that's when we saw him uh, last. Um, you probably listened to him last with Challenge Mania. Shout out Scott Yeager and Derek. Challenge Mania, OG Challenge Podcasters. A wonderful job there. Great source and wealth of information on the challenge, interviews with cast, everything. Challenge Mania. I'm sure you're listening to it if you're listening to this. But uh, Derek, you know, he was a part of that that West pole wrestle that I mentioned back on Duel that I marked once upon a time in a blog post as the beginning where the challenge became truly a sport. Um, so two iconic pole wrestles in his career, you know, famously beat Johnny Bananas on Dirty 30 when he made his comeback and eventually made the final um, and lost that final to Jordan and the great and arguably the greatest final in the history of the challenge as far as competitors, CT, Derek, Jordan, Camilla, uh, Cara Maria, Tori. I mean, doesn't get more stacked than that for six people that made a final. So he was a part of that. He originally came in super hot on Gauntlet, uh, on the Gauntlet 2, uh, season 11, um, where he took up captainship and he, I, 
he won multiple eliminations in a row and was just this little fireball, this little pit bull, uh, one of his most famous victories ever when he had he called out Cyrus to go against and basically not pole wrestle, but a wrestling, just uh, king of the king of the ring, basically. You put whoever pushes each other out of the ring first and taking down Cyrus, who was twice his size. So a lot of moments for Derek. A lot of history with Derek, and definitely a guy who's just kind of one of the because of his status as the kind of OG podcaster has kind of kept and been a big part of the challenge community growing outside of the show is a perfect narrator in the field, a perfect cast member, a perfect all-star to have not only in all-stars one, but to continue and bring back for all-stars two. So that is Derek moving on. We've then got Janelle Casanave. I think I'm saying that right. Janelle from real world key West. Uh, one of two key Westers coming back another, uh, we got to say from another one from an iconic cast of a show, I guess it's kind of making sense now, as I look through this, as far as all stars they're pulling from, they're looking not just at the challenge, but definitely who are the greatest casts we've ever had. And they're representing a lot of them on this season between key West here and Cancun and the road rules, campus crawl and extreme, um, and semester at sea so they're we're pulling from a lot of iconic cast key west among them janelle among those she did two seasons of the challenge inferno three and gauntlet three where she won 12 out of 23 daily challenges great over 50 percent win rate in those daily challenges oh and one only ever saw one elimination did make a final and did get a challenge championship as a rookie on inferno three where she won 40 grand Zero disqualifications in that other season, Gauntlet 3, where she was eliminated. And Janelle, uh, basically all we got to say is, yes, she comes from an iconic cast. Uh, Loved Key West for me was the real world season. Um, That's kind of the most standout real world season for me, just given my age and when I kind of came into that show and went out of that show. As a viewer, Key West was a pivotal one. I was locked into the show at that point. And with that amazing cast, Janelle, Tyler, Paula, Bananas, um, just fantastic all the way through. It had the Hurricane Katrina. They had to relocate. Uh, it was very real-world shit going down on that. So um, Janelle always, along with all of that cast, kind of holds a special place in my heart just from being one of those one of those real-world seasons that I will always remember and always resonate with. And if and now that they're pumping out real-world homecomings after real-world homecoming, if they were going to do one, I'd be most interested, definitely top of my leaderboard probably is Real World Key West. Would love to see that group brought back together. We get two of them on this season. We'll talk about the other one later on. But Janelle coming back uh, has that one title in two seasons. So we'll see. Uh, that was a team championship. And then on Gauntlet 3, also team. So uh, one of those folks who, because uh, being on some of the earlier seasons, has only ever been a part of teams, has never done the individual thing or the pair thing. So um, you know, we'll talk format of the show later on, but there is going to be some, it looks like team pairs or individual daily challenges. So maybe the team ones has a little bit better chance in those than the others. Who knows? But we will find out when we see Janelle back on our screens here for all stars too. Next up, we have Jasmine, Jasmine Renaud back with us from real world Cancun, our second of the three real world Cancuners coming back for this season, and I didn't even realize when talking about Derek earlier, should feel right at home with this filming in Cancun. So even more to their advantage, potentially, they feel right at home there. Jasmine did five seasons of the challenge, five in a row, too. I love 
the efficiency when someone comes in and out of the challenge cleanly like that. Rivals, X's, Battle of the Seasons, Rivals to Free Agents, 21 through 25. Jasmine was a huge part of the challenge world in and out in those five seasons. Daily challenges, she has five wins out of 30 tries. That's 17% win rate, one of the lowest of the cast returning. One in five elimination record. Definitely is looking to improve upon that record here on All-Stars. No finals, no championships, no money won, and no disqualifications. And Jasmine is the perfect encapsulation of what what an All-Star necessarily means, or at least felt like when they announced the first season of All-Stars and still kind of going with this, when, and, you know, is... Thankfully, this season, they're kind of going away from all the talk of, like, the best of the best, which the first season fell a little, whenever they'd say things like that, would fall a little flat. It's like, these aren't just the people who won the most. These are all-stars or whatever. So they've gotten rid of that, some of that talk. And Jasmine kind of personifies the, you don't have to have won a lot of championships. You don't have to have made a bunch of finals. You don't have to have made any. You don't have to even have been on, you know, a dozen seasons or anything to be an all-star, to have left a mark on this game and this show. She certainly did that. In the five seasons she was on, she was always a part, a, a, remember, a memorable part. I was going to say rememberable. That isn't a word. I don't think. Memorable part of every season that she was on and definitely is one of those you know, all-stars by personality uh, and just everything she brought to the show side of things, even if she had never always you know, would make it that far or would you know has this one in five elimination record. A few things about her. Always the fighter, the scrappy mentality, which I'm always I'm interested with folks like that, that now that there's some years have passed, they're a little older, they're maybe more mature, they maybe have children or families. I, I did not do the proper research on all these people. I have no idea what Jasmine's personal life is, um, but is always to know, has that left or is that always there? Is that that scrapper mentality, that fighter mentality, that you know, being the small person in the room all the time, getting called out because of your size all the time, does that ever leave you with age, with maturity, with just life advancing or not interested to see what she has in that department? And her fighting scrappiness was, it was always in the game, in those eliminations. They were always hard-fought eliminations, even on the losing end or daily challenges. But it also went in the house. No one was going to say words to her without her saying words back. She was happily going to be involved in whatever was going on in the house. Um, she famously, one of the most... Honestly, one of my the maybe the time I've laughed the hardest in the history of watching this show, and maybe it's just a little recency bias because I just I've been rewatching this season a couple times recently. But on Free Agents, she had the iconic first episode, first confessional, first time on the screen comes in and says, "I want to be the challenge whore. I want dick and balls all day, every day." Incredible stuff, and she was truly unbelievable. I'm guessing her tone has changed a little bit. That it was a, it was a one season thing, and hey, she was uh, she was owning it, and so you know, go go for it, girl. Um, and but yeah, it really just came to around to with her always. She was just a little smaller physically in the shows where she would kind of get. It wasn't even that you know she could have beat some people. It wasn't like she was that, you know the worst one there competitively in any stretch of the imagination. But she was also kind of one of the first people to always buy, be the let's keep her and then use her as a specific target for some of the 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 more physically dominant players of the game to know like I like Jasmine I want her in the house but also 
I would not like her in elimination yet because if I have to go into elimination, maybe I would want to go against her. So I feel like she was one of the first to be kind of targeted in that specific role. But anyways, lovely to have this woman back on our television screens and in our lives. That's Jasmine. Let's now move on to a returning champion, and that is Jody. Jody Weatherton, back from originally Road Rules Extreme, three seasons of The Challenge, Inferno 2, Gauntlet 2, and Duel. The last time we saw her was on Duel and was winning Duel. Two finals to her name, two championships to her name, Gauntlet 2 and Duel. She went out as a two-time champ before leaving the show until now. She won $176,666 between those two wins. She was 0-1 in eliminations ever. She didn't have to face an elimination in either Gauntlet 2 or Duel on her way to a win. The only time she ever did on Inferno 2. She lost to Veronica in an elimination. And... The main things to say about Jody: one, it's great to have it's great to have champions back and a two-time champion at that. On the on the female side of the ledger, there isn't any you know. It's really just Johnny Bananas and CT are just way out in front of everyone else with seven and four, and probably five coming soon here for CT. But way out in front of everyone else on championships. To have two or three is basically a elite territory, high, high, rarefied air territory. Anyone that's won multiple, there's not a whole lot of them. She is one of them, and she did it in three seasons. And she, if if memory serves correctly, um, it's, it's hard to think through, um, but I don't think there was. In the first 12 seasons, the duel was the first individual season that the challenge had ever had, which makes her the first ever individual female championship title holder with winning the duel alongside Wes as the male version of that on the male side. But she won the duel, uh, and she won the final pretty convincingly. Um, but again, she didn't face an elimination to get there, so the political game always definitely strong. And with her, the biggest question was is really isn't it even about All-Stars too. It's about if she would have done another season or two, maybe got another win, where would she rack up in the, you know, the greatest of all time to do it? Runnings because on you know on the female side of that equation, um, her name's not going to necessarily come up in that conversation except for maybe some honorable mentions just because because she, she has two but only doing the three seasons, um, you know leaves her a little bit lower on the totem pole than when talking about the Cara Marias, the Evelyns, the Laurels, the Paulas, the Emily Schramms of the world. Um, so. Would have been fascinating to know if she would have continued with it, done a couple more seasons. But now she's got a chance to come back, and you know if she wins this, she does a couple seasons of All Stars, makes some more finals. It starts to starts to add to that resume. Who knows? But very excited to have Jody back. Should be said, Road Rules Extreme alum. So her and Derek, um, who did those seasons, uh, were all three of the seasons they were on. She was on the same as Derek, but has some familiarity there. And there is a pretty good overlap, though pretty much the only kind of overlap of a lot of the folks on this season of All-Stars is from that kind of Inferno gauntlet era, uh, more or less. So she's got, uh, should potentially have decent ties or decent memories with a lot of these folks coming into the house. Definitely a force to be reckoned with. That is Jody. Jeanne is next. Her second appearance on All-Stars, All-Stars 1 alum, coming back for All-Stars 2, originally from Real World Cancun. Five seasons of The Challenge Rivals, Battle of the Seasons, Rivals 2, Free Agents, X's 2, six daily challenge wins out of 41 tries, 15%. 
Win rate very low there. Two and six in eliminations. Never made a final or won a championship or any money or was disqualified on any of those regular seasons. But she is coming off of that finals appearance on All-Stars 1 and that third place overall and top female overall or tied for third, tied for top female. I think her and Kellyanne eventually ended up tying um, to some degree. However, the points worked. I forget exactly, but I think... I don't remember, but I think she got third. I think they tied for third. Either way, a great showing on All-Stars 1. Made that first final of her career, proved to herself that she could do that, and, you know, was always everything with her on her times in the challenge, for better or worse, in the early, the first few seasons, was always kind of wrapped around um, different relationships, especially kind of most memorably with Zach and the, the the not great nature of that. Uh, everything that happened with that. Um, she, former, not just here with multiple Cancun alum, but was paired with Jasmine in the past and was paired with Jasmine and with Derek, obviously on that Battle of the Seasons, as we talked about with Derek, and as we realized when talking about Jasmine, they're filming this season in Cancun. So she is one of the three that not only will be back with many people that she has done a lot of television with and has close ties to, but also in the place where they have made and forged all those ties, whether that'll make have any have any bearing on anything probably not but it is an interesting thing to point out um biggest question for john Jean- is uh we saw her you know prove a lot last season coming in this time though will she be thrown into an elimination this time around will she be able to use politics and those connections to get to another all-stars final and if she gets back to that final which type of all-star or which type of just challenge player in general is she? Because with with a lot of people on the challenge, if they haven't made that final, that's you know that's what's driving them to come back and keep trying and keep trying because they're like I want to I want to prove to myself and everyone watching that like I can do that and they work for that and they work for that and then when we get there, there's kind of two different paths you could take. You either are the person that gets to the final, and after experiencing experiencing it once, you say, you know, hey, that was really fun. I enjoyed filming that. I enjoyed being back on television. I enjoyed making a little bit of money and I'd like to do that again and nothing's going to necessarily change about my approach to it or my training for it or anything like that. Or the other other way it could go is you get to the final for the first time, you have that breakthrough and then you get there and afterwards you're like, all right, I've got to win now. I'm going to, I'm coming back. I'm picking up, you know, I'm going to walk up and down some mountains on the every other weekend. I'm going to pick up running or jogging or power walking. I'm going to get in some cardio shape because I've got what it takes to get to that final, but now I need what it takes, that last piece, that last big endurance piece that it takes to win any final, we assume at this point in any version of the challenge, that endurance is always that final, final step. So is she coming back uh, with a little secret secret uh, cardio hobby on the side, driven to not just make another final, but try to win that final? Um, We shall see. But definitely one of the many coming back from All-Stars 1 to All-Stars 2 and a great choice for that. She had, did a wonderful job on the first season. I expect nothing but the same on the second season. That is Jeanne. Then we've got Katie Cooley. Katie Cooley, which before we say anything else, MTV, get your shit together. Katie Cooley, not Katie Doyle. Uh, she, 
all last season, it came up over and over and over that she's a married woman. She took her husband's last name, and she's Katie Cooley. And everyone remembers her so well because Katie Doyle, she was such an all-star, such a kind of legendary figure in the world of the challenge. Everyone knew her last name. But, uh, and it's happened yet again on MTV's very page that I'm looking at right now where they have the cast listed out on MTV.com. Uh, the other women in the group uh, that have last names have changed since the time we would have known them from their days on the challenge way back when. Their last names are updated. Katie's is not. Um, and it's the second season in a row that that's happened. So let's put some respect on an OG legend, one of the true all-stars of this season of All-Star. Katie Cooley is back with us, originally from Road Rules The Quest. Nine seasons of the challenge, plus the All-Stars, so 10-timer club, to, depending how you count them up there. Started on Gauntlet, then Inferno, Battle of the Sexes 2, Gauntlet 2, Fresh Meat, Gauntlet 3, Duel 2, Ruins, and ended her career for the time being then on Cutthroat, where she got to play, I believe she was one of the ones that got to play the game where you slap each other in the face with a fly swatter. Unbelievable game. They should they should legitimately bring that back to, to the elimination ring. I believe TJ, who had to hold in his laughter a little bit more back then than he does nowadays, would get a kick out of that. She won 35 total daily challenges out of 82 tries. That's 43%. A lot of those teams-based, team-based, yes, but still a very good daily challenge record. Four and six in an elimination. Two finals made. Inferno and Gauntlet two. One championship. One that was on the Inferno. Her second season. One forty one thousand seventy one dollars in doing so. Never got disqualified, which is uh, actually kind of an interesting t- statistic given the nature of her reputation back then of being, uh, you know, being a little bit of a hothead at times or getting in a lot of verbal altercations. None of them ever got to the point of getting disqualified for any known reason or anything. So no DQs, that one title, and definitely another one that even if she wouldn't have had that title, even if she wouldn't have had those two finals, similar to what we said about Jasmine, would go for Katie, and Katie did it even longer. Katie was one of the kind of original you know, like she's an all-star purely because she is wonderful on television. She is just so entertaining and such a hoot to have in the house and everyone in the house clearly both loved and at some specific times, depending who's been drinking what, how late in the night it might be, would also get very upset or get in verbal arguments with her, um, but just brought a lot, a lot, a lot to the show. Um out on the show half of things and not the sport half of things, and then still held her own in the sport half, even being one of the smaller competitors in the house. Again, four and six elimination record. Uh, nothing to snuff at. Four elimination wins or four elimination wins, two finals, a title. So decorated and definitely had a, a wonderful career, amazing career, and was awesome on All Stars 1, where she eventually lost. Uh, with partner Letarian, who was great and who's the only one. Remember back to All-Stars 1, once Katie knew she was going in. At that point of the season, they got to pick the person to come in with them to be their partner with them. And no one, everyone was pleading with her not to be their partner. And Letarian was like, yo, I'll ride with you. She picked him. They lose to Kendall and Mark in a, uh, I forget exactly what they called it, but tug of war, uh, more or less tug of war on top of tree stumps. So, 
that was that's Katie coming back for season two. She epitomizes everything I would have expected when the originally when the We Want OGs movement started. I was like, this is starting for people like Katie. We want to see the Katies, the beloved people of the early days of you know those first twenty seasons or whatever, ten to fifteen to twenty seasons. We want to see those people back. She epitomizes that for me. She was an absolute must for season one of All Stars, and I am thrilled that she is back for season two. Then we've got Kendall, Kendall, Kendall Darnell. Again, uh, respect on Katie Cooley's name. We have the updated Kendall last name of Darnell on there. So Kendall is back. Road Rules Campus Crawl along with Darrell coming in from that iconic Campus Crawl cast. Only did one season of the challenge prior to All-Stars 1, of course. That was the Inferno, where her and her team won 10 out of 15 of the daily challenges. That's a 67% win clip. She went 1-0 in eliminations on that season and won, went to the final and won the championship and won $32,500 without getting disqualified, of course. Those are her stats. She was one of the one-and-done champs we talked during last season of All Stars, one of the first uh, kind of history corners, uh, for history lessons uh, we were doing at the end of every recap episode of that season, we did a full little 10 to 15 minutes on one and done champions. Kendall was one of those who put her perfect record on the line last season on All Stars 1, where she did have a real solid showing to start. She was kind of slowly but surely became one of the targets, almost borderline villains of the house um, without ever really doing anything other than really just doing a lot of yoga out by the lake, which given the place they were at, it was freaking beautiful. And I would have been doing the same thing, except I, I can't really do yoga, at least not in any way near as well as she can. Um, but was definitely kind of one of the physical threats on the female side in All-Stars 1. She beat Trishel in Not So Fast early in the season. And then um, with Mark, beat Katie and Letarian, as we just talked about in uh, Pull Me Over, the, the tug-of-war game, and then lost in the big upset at the very end of the season, right before the final, lost with partner Nehemiah to Big Easy and Yasella in Ringkling, which uh, was an, an interesting game that they were definitely the heavy favorites going in. And Big Easy, uh, to say nothing of Yasella's performance, where she ends up injured in it, but Big Easy puts on a hell of a performance and just beats him basically on his own. Um, that was amazing by him and was a bummer for Kendall, who seemed to be kind of, she, if anyone kind of had a star turn on All Stars, again, I know. You know, it's called All Stars for a reason, but as we've alluded to and outright said a couple of times, not every single person on this show is necessarily the first people you think of when you think challenge All Stars. But um, so, given that, it allows for some of these people coming back to truly have like star turns. And I feel like she was the one on All Stars one that had a star turn where it was like, oh, shoot, this one and done champ coming back from a long time ago. Don't remember a whole lot. She was part of an iconic cast. She's cute. She's fun. She won one. She had a relationship with the Miz. Uh, you know, there's some things to remember, but it was only the one season, and and now she's coming back, and now we get a whole another whole season of her in the present day, and she kind of becomes a star in front of her eyes. So it was a very clear and obvious pick to like if she wanted to come back, bring her back for All Stars too. Um, on the physical side, definitely one of the threats in the house on the female side of things. Again. Uh, she does yoga like 24 seven when they're not actually doing competitions that helps a lot. Um, and definitely proved herself in the eliminations going two and one last season. So 
that's Kendall. Definitely, uh, we'll get to the power rankings at the end, but there's a good case to be made that she will be on that, on the female power rankings. But, uh, you know, she lost that perfect record in All-Stars 1. See if she can regain those winning ways on All-Stars 2. Another return, return E, return er, return E from All Stars One to All Stars Two is Latarian Wallace, who is our next challenger to discuss. Originally from Road Rules Maximum Velocity Tour, three seasons of the Challenge Extreme Challenge, Battle of the Sexes, and Gauntlet. Thirteen daily challenge wins out of twenty nine tries. That's a forty five percent win rate. Not bad, Latarian. 0-1 in eliminations, one finals, zero titles, zero money won, zero disqualifications. And then, of course, that none of that includes All-Stars 1, where he came in, went into the very first elimination at number one of first episode, and has to pole wrestle against Ace and absolutely beats Ace into the ground. Um, it's just brutal and clear show of strength and determination from Latarian that really... Um, and, you know, he, along with Kendall, it's interesting that these two are back-to-back, um, is the uh, is the kind of male, the male that I would say kind of had a star turn. Same thing I just said about Kendall a moment ago of, you know, we didn't know a ton of them from the challenge days, and, you know, maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe they don't fit the all-star moniker as well as you'd expect everyone coming into the show to do, but then had, because of that, has that kind of star turn, has that great, great performance versus Ace has a little bit of a romance with Anissa during the show, and then eventually has that really amazing moment, even if it eventually comes in defeat in partnering up with Katie, losing to Mark and Kendall and pull me over, but being the only one in the house who will step up and be like, you know, Katie's my friend. Everyone is giving her all this shit, trying to get do anything they can to not go in there where they're not showing her any belief any trust, any hope, any support, I'll do it, I'll step up. And they put up a good fight, and they just, you know, they lost it in the end to, to, to freaking the Godfather and Kendall, so uh, no shame there. But Letarian, uh definitely has the strength down. Um, the thing with him, it came up a little bit in the pull me over, <laughs> although it was him and Mark both were like, all right, we got a lot of muscle. I don't know how much endurance we have at this point of our careers, and they were both gassing quick on that pull me over uh, elimination, but the question with Latarian, he's definitely got the strength. He's got some athleticism. He's got the fire, the will, the determination. I would love. I said all last season, every episode. I think I brought up. I want Latarian to be my personal trainer, and I just want him to wake me up in the morning and tell me everything I've got to do, and that I can do it, and that he believes in me, and just he gets me so pumped up. Um, we'll see if the if that you know ingratiates him even further in the social side of things of just being this amazing guy and this motivating guy uh if that you know helps him politically and socially in the house and were he to make that final what he's got on the endurance side if he can handle a final or not which is a question for him and literally for every single person in this um except for the two or three that we saw finish a final uh, last season on all-stars so uh, that is Latarian. Glad to have him back. Another return E from, he's almost, he's getting close now. I guess he's going to have two seasons of All-Stars, three of the regular show. Kendall is officially, I didn't even notice it when we just talked about it. I should have said the first ever person to have done more seasons of All-Stars than of the regular show, along with Tech, who we will talk about in a little bit here, but big achievement there. But anyways, that is Latarian. And let's move forward to our next challenger. We've now got Leah Gillingwater from originally Real World Paris, one of the great, great all-time great Real World seasons. One season of the challenge, that was the Inferno, where she was on the team that won four out of 14, 
daily challenges, 29% win rate, elimination record 0 and 1. And if memory serves correctly, I believe that one loss was to Kendall. Um, and Kendall's one win on that season that her team would then go on to win. So no finals, no titles, no money won, no disqualifications for Leah. And honestly, I don't really have anything on Leah. Uh, that I, that the season of Inferno, all three seasons of Inferno are like lost to history. There at least seem to be attempted by, um, by MTV to erase those from anywhere out there that you can watch them. Uh, they're kind of like the lost trilogy in a way. Uh, there was, you know, fights on almost all of them. There's reasons that, you know, like Inferno three is, uh, one of the only, maybe the only season not available on Paramount plus that starting from season 11, every other season from 11 to 35, six, seven or whatever, uh, are on there except for Inferno three. Inferno two is incredibly hard to find. Um, Inferno one is incredibly hard to find anything out there. Um, so it's been a while since I've watched it. And I don't really remember anything about Leah, but that's what happens when, you know, we bring in some people that are, have only done one season ever. Um, I encourage you, I did see a couple clips of a recent interview she did on the is Mike Lewis podcast. I apologize if I'm getting your name wrong, but uh, Mike Lewis podcast. I saw she just posted some clips about her experience on Inferno in real world were very difficult and the fan reaction to her and having to overcome that and kind of all the, the negativity that can come with the the experience of being on reality television or television in general. And it seemed like a really fascinating and eye-opening interview and a really thoughtful and um, impressive interview and impressive uh, where she's gotten to from there to be coming back and willing to come back on reality television all this time later. So I encourage you to go check that out. You can find it via her Instagram since I think I might've got, I think it's Mike Lewis podcast, but something Lewis, maybe Mike, but you can find it via Leah's Instagram page. Otherwise, I don't really have a lot of comments on her except for, She's got, uh, you know, she, as far as bloodlines on this show are uh, considered, which I would say the cast you come from is kind of like your bloodline. She comes from a great one with Real World Paris with CT being a part of that. Um, and of course, an Adam, an Ace, and uh, some, uh, I think a few, maybe others from that cast have graced the the screens of the challenge. But uh, she comes from a great, great Real World season. We'll see what she's got on this season of All-Stars. Next up is Melinda, formerly Melinda Stolp, uh, I believe is how you pronounced her former name, now Melinda Collins, and you would remember Melinda from the real world Austin. She did four seasons of The Challenge, Fresh Meat, Gauntlet 3, Cutthroat, and Battle of the Seasons. Six daily challenge wins out of 24 tries, 25% win rate, 0 and 4 in eliminations. All four season went home via the first elimination she was thrown into, which means zero finals, zero titles, zero money, one and zero disqualifications on her record. Now, with Melinda, a couple things on her. One, I uh, will come clean immediately that one, the, I said earlier, the, the real world Key West is kind of the real world season that for me is like the the standout one, the one that I was just the perfect age and the perfect uh, kind of all the factors combined and then what those people from Key West went on to and the challenge, everything like that is Key West is the one that stands out most in my mind. But the 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 second one to that in the first one that ever stood out in a big way to me was just from an age standpoint, again, of when I was really coming into what, not just watching the show, but like being so deeply invested in the show and loving the show and you know wanting to be on the show and everything like that was Real World Austin, um, which is an iconic season as well with Melinda and Danny and Wes and uh, Johanna and Nehemiah 
and Rachel, and sorry to whoever I'm forgetting of that group because there's one more, and I apologize. <laughs> but uh, amazing season. And then coming out of that, though, onto the challenge, Melinda's challenge career, always kind of had the Danny thing early on, pretty much throughout the whole thing because she was with Danny, um, at least for, you know, on Fresh Meat she was, Gauntlet 3 she was, Cutthroat and Battle of the Seasons, I think. So maybe all of them. Um, but regardless, she was kind of always tied in with him, which wasn't a great thing. Um, in Challenge, Danny always just kind of one that fell short of expectations on the challenge. And then also with that, she was part of Real World Austin. And something about that season of the real world and the people on it, and very specifically Melinda, very specifically Wes and Danny. Let's not put any of this on Johanna and Melinda. Um, they were just kind of get catching stray bullets at the hands of no one liking Danny and Wes, it seemed, or just everyone hating real world Austin. The first season, they, they all come on fresh meat together and there's four of them on there and famously on fresh meat, Wes sends home all the other Austin folks. He sends home Melissa in this, uh, Melissa, Melinda in the second episode. He sends home Danny in the first episode. He sends home Johanna in the third episode. Uh, and he keeps getting thrown in and thrown in. And everyone that whole season, just immediately when they show up, it's like, you know, it's not, you know, it's vet rookie team. So we have target vets. We're just going for strictly real world Austin. Same thing kind of happened late in Gauntlet 3. Everyone still, for some reason, just hated real world Austin. Um, and it kind of went for their whole career, especially battle of the seasons came around. Same thing as ha what had happened on fresh meat, literally 11 seasons prior. It was like, Hey, let's just get real world Austin out of here first. No one likes them. Um, so always had that target on her back because of the season she came from and the people she was associated with because of that. Um, and just in general, I kind of always expected more from her and was very surprised to remember that she's owned foreign eliminations. Uh, that kind of caught me a little off guard. I didn't expect anything great. I knew she hadn't made a final, but I uh, was slightly surprised to remember, yeah, she hadn't even won an elimination yet. So um, let's see what she's got now with a few extra years under her belt. One final thing to point out is that Ryan, who we will talk about in a few people from now, was her partner on Fresh Meat. So she does come in with a very strong tie in the house, someone that she had been partnered with and worked with before in the house. So that is Melinda. And then we've got my man, MJ Garrett. MJ from Real World Philadelphia. Three seasons of the challenge under his belt. Gauntlet 2, Gauntlet 3, and Duel 2. Gauntlet 3, where he came in as a injury replacement midway through. Daily challenges, he was 10-time winner out of 31 tries, 32% win rate, 2-2 two and two in eliminations, one final made, one title won. That was on Gauntlet 2, where he took home $26,666. Never got disqualified. And MJ is another one that comes from the era of real world where I was actually watching and paying attention. And I really, really love that season, really love him and Landon both coming out of that season and loved their challenge careers, even if they were a little short lived for my liking. So I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled that he is coming back. Um, he is another one that would have been on my personal short list when the, we want OGs movement started. And I'm like, who, who do I want to see? And out of not just the people who've won the most titles or made the most finals, but just made the most impact on me as a viewer, he was certainly one of them. Um, I, I will always, I mean, Duel 2 is probably, 
is potentially my favorite season of all time, and he has a big role in that season. Um, he's someone who could have could have maybe won a lot more. It was very close on, you know, he won Gauntlet 2, his rookie season on that rookie team, but then on Gauntlet 3, he comes in as a replacement partway through, and he's one of the biggest dudes on his team, and he loses in an elimination upset loss to Frank, um, slight upset with respect to Frank, so slight upset, but was a little bit of an upset. Uh, losing to Frank in elimination in that season was the infamous Big Easy uh, collapse season at the end, where even though the the rookie team or the challengers or whatever whatever the team uh, that team was called during the Gauntlet Three was decimated daily challenge after daily challenge, elimination after elimination, had way less people by the end of it. They had enough to finish, and they were able to finish the final, and the other team was not. So could have got that second win there. Um, I remember, I may be misremembering, but I know on Real World Philadelphia, he was like football in his background was maybe trying. I remember knowing that Bon Jovi bought the arena football team in Philadelphia on because of that season of Real World. I feel like he was either trying out for like arena football or professional soccer or some professional sport. Great athlete, huge guy. Definitely one of the physical threats coming back into this house. And just based off the trailer where he does get a couple moments of confessionals um, that sneak in there and we get to see a little bit of him. It looks like he's fired up to be back in this world. And I'm expecting big, big, big things. Um, should also be said, uh, the one, the third season, that Duel 2 I mentioned, one of my favorite seasons ever, where he has a great, great run on it. He loses to Brad in the second-to-last elimination. Brad took out MJ and Landon back-to-back, so just huge ups to Brad for that. Um, but he has played comp- very competitively with Brad before. He has crossed paths with a lot of these people as Gauntlet 2 and 3 um, without actually sitting down and counting it out. It seemed to be some of the most represented seasons of the challenge with this cast on All-Stars 2. So... That is MJ. Thrilled to have MJ back. Definitely was on my short list, as I said, and thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be seeing him on our television screens once again. Another All-Stars 1 return. E double dipping in the All-Stars pool. That is Nehemiah Clark from Real World Austin. Another Real World Austin along with Melinda here. So got that connection. He did four seasons of the regular challenge show. Duel, Gauntlet 3, Duel 2, and Rivals. Seven daily challenge wins out of 33 tries. That's a 21% win rate. 3-3 three and three elimination record. He made one final, one title. That was on Gauntlet 3 that we just talked about with MJ, where the team got decimated all the way through, but won the final in most big part because a member of the other team couldn't finish the final. 150 grand for that. Zero disqualifications. And then... Comes back in All-Stars 1, does get an elimination win versus Tech in the one where, uh, I don't remember what it was called, or exactly, they had to punch, they had to eat the really, really hot peppers. TJ made he and Tech eat ghost peppers or whatever the hot, super-duper hot peppers they had to eat before then playing a game where they ran into a little cage and had to climb up and around and all over the cage and punch out tiles and then run back to the starting line. He beat Tech in a nail-biter in that and then lost with Kendall as his partner to Big Easy and Yasella, as we spoke about when we talked about Kendall. And is definitely one who... I remember saying on All-Stars 1, I really liked the attitude he went into that show with. I think he was, he was I know he was one, and probably maybe the only one, that on All-Stars 1, either in the trailer or first episode, and then multiple times throughout the season, said straight out, I don't think I am a legend in this game. I am not the All-Star, the OG that all of these other people might be. 
but I want to be, and that's why I'm here. I want to make my mark in this game, and I loved that from him, the awareness of that and the, the motivation and the drive of that and everything about it. I've always been a big Nehemiah guy. Um, again, I have, have a big affection for real-world Austin, something not shared by others in the world of the challenge who, again, all hate the real-world Austin. Um, Nehemiah dealt with some of that himself and also dealt with just kind of um, – somewhat to his own accord, but a lot just kind of got pigeonholed at it as it, and then became it because of it was like the, the kind of aloof, uh, like outsider, um, like kind of isolated one introvert on duel, um, especially on duel and then duel two as well. And it was kind of like, uh, like self-fulfilling thing where everyone else just kind of set it. And then it kind of just put him on the outside. And then, you know, he wasn't a part of any of the big alliances or big friend groups or anything. Um, it wasn't really totally on him. Um, and yeah, so that's Nehemiah. Definitely, uh, just if I were to just judge, just looking at all these people, their level of physical fitness at this point of their lives, Nehemiah is one who looks just as much the athlete as he would have been a decade ago when he was on duel or gauntlet or whatever. Um, looks like he's staying in shape. He's one that's stayed kind of in the sphere of the challenge ecosystem without even being totally involved with it because he's worked a bunch a uh, bunch of times with Wes on different non-challenge projects. Uh, Nehemiah does a bunch of video work um, and editing and is very, very talented and skilled in that world and a bunch of some of the projects Wes has done. Nehemiah has been the production crew essentially behind those. Um, so at least for me, who kind of keeps up with Wes's doings outside of the show, I've always kind of had, in a way, some keeping up with what Nehemiah is doing because of that. So, that's Nehemiah. He's coming back in. And as we talked about in the, uh, the trailer breakdown is certainly the guy, you know, does the toast, uh, being one that they're bringing back was featured pretty heavily in the trailer was featured pretty heavily while he was there on all stars one. Um, and if anything, it seems like the show maybe is trying to latch on to some of those, some of the people age wise that are kind of in the middle of the middle tier of who they're bringing back onto the show to try to like, restoke the flame be like we could get if we're going to do 20 seasons of all stars we could get eight seasons out of a nehemiah because of where the age is where he's at his life what his interests are um so it seems like they're kind of putting him forward as one of the faces of the franchise of all stars and it was great it's a great pick for that so that is nehemiah on to ryan kehoe ryan coming back originally from fresh meat did excuse me did five seasons of the challenge starting with fresh meat then gauntlet three Island, Duel 2, Fresh Meat 2, 5 daily challenge wins out of 29 tries, 17% win clip, 3 and 4 in eliminations overall, 1 finals made, that was on the island, and did not get the title on that, no championships, no money won, 0 disqualifications, this is another person who very much personifies this all-star moniker to me of not the person who won the most, but a person who made their mark on the show and who was fantastic to have on the show all five times he appeared. He was great, and he was a value add to the program every single time. Um, my my biggest compliment of Ryan is that I, I really, really enjoy his kind of humor and sarcasm that he had, or at least had, probably still has, hopefully still has, in the confessional room and kind of just telling it telling it very much like it is and being the very uh, kind of realistic voice in in a house that sometimes has a lot of unrealistic things said about each other and about 
people saying about themselves. He was always very realistic and very sarcastic in some of his comments. It was just great. Great in the confessional room. I mentioned earlier he and Melinda were partners on Fresh Meat, so he does come in not only with uh, another person, I forget who we said was also a Fresh Meat alum, Casey, uh, so has her there that she was, but also has partnered Melinda from that season there. So he's got some connections for sure. And most recently, uh, he was a part, a big part of one of my other, I mentioned Duel 2, maybe my favorite season ever. One of the seasons competing with it for that title of personal favorite season is Fresh Meat 2. Back-to-back, or not quite back-to-back seasons. Back-to-back, no, Ruins was between them. Um, but two, both amazing seasons, Fresh Meat 2, Ryan's last season where he nearly made another final. He was kind of the adult in the room the whole the whole season. He was partnered with Teresa. They played a super duper smart political game, kind of played the middle, picked picked and choose side. It was the big that season was a big, you know, Kenny versus Wes war. Kenny versus Evelyn war more or less in the end, but Kenny versus Wes slash Evelyn. Um, and Ryan played perfect political game right in the middle. And then at the end, it came down to he and Jen had both played a similar game the whole time to each other. And they both agreed to go in versus each other in the last elimination where he and Teresa lost. So almost made that final, but he has a good political game. He has a really great social game. People love this guy for good reason. And um, is, you know, one that always did a little better than what, the expectation of the rest of the house maybe had for him in the physical side of things. And I think is definitely one to look out for on this season of all stars too. Uh, as with every single other person, pretty much coming back, no idea what they've actually been up to, what they're capable of nowadays physically. So can't even really go off what they put on tape way back when, um, but very excited to have Ryan back. think he's going to be, I, I if I, had to put odds on who are going to be kind of the standout, who's going to have the star turns on all stars too. I feel like he is one of those that people are going to be like, man, I forgot how much I loved this person on the show and he's going to stand out right away. So that is Ryan. Then we come to Sophia. Sophia comes to us from road rules. The quest. She did one season of the challenge. That was battle of the sexes too where her and her female team won three out of the 15 daily challenges, 20% win rate, no eliminations faced. There was not eliminations on that one season that she was on. Did make the final. Uh, they did not win, did not win any money, was not disqualified. And that's all I have for you on Sophia because Battle of Sexes 2 is not a season I revisited uh, pretty much at all um, in the last two or three years as I've been going back through a lot of the seasons. It's actually one of the only ones I skipped at the beginning of the pandemic. I started with The Gauntlet season seven and watched almost every single season and one of, I think, maybe two seasons I skipped was Battle of the Sexes 2. Um, it just wasn't that great of a season. The conceit just didn't really work. And because of that, and that being the only season that Sophia was on and also having no memory of Road Rules the Quest because it was from like 1992, seven or something before I was watching MTV. Uh, I don't really have anything for you other than uh, the next person we're going to talk about. Steve uh, is also from road rules, the quest. Um, So she at least knows someone going way, way back with someone. So she's got that. We'll see what she's got. Who knows? Maybe she could be one of those that only did the one season way back. And I'm just not remembering it had a star turn then, and maybe we'll have a star turn now. So that is Sophia. And as just previously mentioned, next up is Steve Mikey. Mankey, Mankey, sorry if I'm pronouncing your name 
last name wrong there, Steve, but Steve, as well as what Sophia was from Road Rules The Quest originally, and also only did one season of the challenge that was the gauntlet, where his team was dominant while he was there. Six out of eight daily challenges won 75% win rate. One and one in eliminations, did not make the final, did not win a championship, did not win any money, was not disqualified. And when Steve first popped up on the list of cast members, he is one of the three that I have to admit saying, don't remember exactly who that was. But then I had a big moment where I was like, shit, I actually totally do know who Steve was because I just rewatched The Gauntlet multiple times. I just did a whole series of videos on my Instagram about The Gauntlet. If you would like to revisit one of one of the all-time under underappreciated seasons of the challenge, one of the greatest ever, and easily the best the best season ever of the first ten for sure in my mind. Not even close. The Gauntlet, wonderful season. You can relive all of it over on the Challenge Historian Instagram page, where the first ever season of Five Minutes or Less, an Instagram recap show, did every single episode of the Gauntlet. And if you go and watch those or watch that season out there. You can remember along as I did that Steve on that show, we learned a few things about him. And the main thing we learned early on, that was a road rules versus real world season of the gauntlet. And the road rules team was dominating. Steve was doing very well in a bunch of the challenges. He went into an elimination once versus I want to say Tanya in one. And then he went into another elimination versus Trishel. And the elimination was a puzzle where you had to jump into a pool because on the gauntlet, every one of the eliminations took place at a pool outside of like a Holiday Inn Express in like Denver, Boulder, Colorado or somewhere. It's it's an amazing season. You got to go watch it if you haven't, if you don't remember it at all. Um, but the self-proclaimed puzzle king, Steve, on that season claimed the first couple times puzzles came up that he grew up without friends, that puzzles were his friends. Those were real paraphrasing, but quotes that I remember now about him. And then he gets to an elimination where you jump in the pool, you gather your eight pieces that are floating in the pool, you throw them out, you get out of the pool, and you put together a Tangram puzzle. And he goes in feeling super-duper confident, going against Trishel, who's got a busted-up eye. She had just had this horrible bike accident like a week before. And Trishel smokes him. He can't get the Tangram done quickly. She flies right through it, gets it, and he goes home. So Puzzle King back then that lost pretty epically uh, in a pure puzzle tangram elimination. Um, That was Steve's time on the challenge. He definitely, the other reason when I saw his name in the picture with it, uh, looks a bit different these days and looks like uh, athletics is a bigger part of his life now than it was then. So fascinated to see where Steve's journey on All-Stars 2 go. Goes, go, goes, go, goes, 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 go. Those are the words I meant to say. One of them was correct. That's Steve. Let's move on to our next person. Three left, and they're all great ones. First of those three is Tech Holmes. Tech is back for, as mentioned earlier, his second season of All-Stars, making him alongside Kendall the two first people ever to do more seasons of All-Stars than they did of the regular show, The Challenge. He is from Real World Hawaii, Iconically, we talked at length last season on the preview about his season, Real World Hawaii. He and Ruthie being absolute blast on that and interesting on that show. Both coming into All-Stars 1, both doing great. Tech was amazing on All-Stars 1. He lost, as previously mentioned, to Nehemiah in the elimination where TJ just 
uh, horrifyingly made them eat those peppers for no reason right before they did the actual elimination. But while he was on All-Stars 1, he was great. That one season of the challenge he did was Challenge 2000, three out of eight on daily challenges, never went into an elimination, made the final, did not win, won $6,830. And these days, uh, very embedded in the challenge world once again, um, from being on All-Stars 1, but also he is kind of, he and Cyrus are good buds outside the show, at least it seems their social media would say that it seems. And in some of the recent events Cyrus has been hosting and other kind of reality, uh, reality-based, reality TV personality-based events that have been going on, Tech's been DJing at a bunch of them. Uh, the man's always dressed extremely well. He's always saying something funny or witty or entertaining. He's just a blast to have. He was one of those that definitely was along. I mean, he and Kendall have a lot of parallels for me on, you know, not just the whole they've done two All-Stars now versus one season, but came into All-Stars 1, and it was like, oh, who is this person again? I, t- I kind of forgot. Oh, yeah, that person was really cool like 20 years ago where we barely saw any of them, and then, boom, they're they're stars. They're made for this. They should have been on 20, 20 seasons of the show. They're just fantastic on television. He was all of that and competed very, very well on the season. Again, losing that elimination to Nehemiah. Very, very close one. So excited that Tech is back. He looks like he's still just as entertaining and just as well-dressed, according to the brief moments of him we get in the trailer. So big expectations for Tech coming into this season of All-Stars 2. And now we've got the final two. I alluded early on that... I did this in alphabetical order for mostly because it made for the last two people being the two people I am the most excited to have back on my television screen. I'm excited for a lot of people. I've kind of uh, pretty pretty obviously called out those that I'm a little more than others for throughout this one-by-one breakdown. But these last two are definitely, this is the, the gal and the guy that I am the most, most excited to see back on my screen. And we start... With the the female, I am most excited for their return on All Stars Two, and that is Tina. Tina is back. OG legend, unbelievable first ballot Hall of Famer of the show, even without any championships to her name. First ballot Hall of Famer, Tina, originally from Road Rules South Pacific. She did five seasons of the Challenge, Gauntlet, Sexes Two, Inferno Two, Fresh Meat, and Duel. Battle of the Sexes 2, I realized as I was saying that, it doesn't look that weird when I type it, but it kind of looks weird when I say it like that. Um, just trying to shorten all of them. Gauntlet, Battle of the Sexes 2, Inferno 2, Fresh Meat, Duel. Those were the seasons. Tina did 13 daily challenge wins out of 52 tries. That's a 25% win rate. 3-1 and one in eliminations. Two finals made. That would have been on Inferno 2 and Fresh Meat. Zero championships. Zero money won. One disqualification. A very famous one for punching Beth in the face on Duel. There was a bunch of rumors about getting Tina and Beth both on this season or potentially both on next season, All-Stars 3. Who knows if that'll happen. That would have been great to see, but Beth is uh, was filming, is currently on television again uh, for Real World Homecoming Los Angeles. So no reunion for the two of them, but a reunion for us and Tina, who uh, we last saw competing on the duel, but we actually last saw in the challenge world on Cutthroat, where she came in as, as a mercenary alongside CT. Everyone remembers this because this is the Johnny Backpack 
the bananas backpack moment for CT, but uh, Tina was there. Tina got to witness that in person because she was the female mercenary in that episode and in that elimination. So we saw her a little more recently than the last time we saw her as a full-on competitor and cast member on Duel, where she did get DQ'd for that punch that she it said immediately right afterwards directly to TJ was worth, was absolutely worth every dollar that she just threw down the drain. Um, her probably greatest season she ever had was Fresh Meat, where she was partnered with Kenny and was just, uh, for once, thankfully, made up for all the times that guys have been complete pieces of shit to their female partners in the history of the challenge. Uh, Tina gave it to Kenny throughout that season, really held him to an extremely high standard and just kind of treated him as like, you're my workhorse. I picked you because you're this big, strong dude here and you're going to get me a win right now. You have to, you better let's, let's go. Um, and they do very well throughout that entire season. They win some eliminations. They get to the finals. They get second place to Darrell in Aviv, but an amazing season. She really dominates that season in a lot of ways. Um, and the only person who maybe you could say dominated fresh meat more than Tina is the other person who I would say along with Tina way back before it was a, it was a positive thing to say that someone was a bad bitch nowadays. Like it's it, for the most part, depending the context you're using it in. Uh, if I say, you know, Tina's a bad bitch, people would take that as like a compliment, a good thing. Back in the day when she actually was on our television screens being one of the original bad bitches, along with Coral, who I would say Coral and Tina were kind of the OG, just badass women of this show who came in and didn't take shit from anyone and were ready to get physical and down and dirty in the games and the eliminations and just were having the time of their lives on these shows and were just amazing characters. Uh, Coral and her were the, kind of the two OGs of that for me, and Coral was the, old, the only other person on Fresh Meat that before being DQ'd for injury, was also kind of dominating that season. Fresh Meat, unbelievable season. Uh, Fresh Meat Duel, the two the two tandem seasons that just are above all the other ones as far as actual as kind of franchises within the franchises go. Um, both Fresh Meat seasons are truly amazing. Both Duel seasons are pretty amazing. Um, so that is Tina. Tina's coming back. She was probably the one, I would say, when this cast was announced, uh, the fan reaction online was certainly came out in big, big way for, oh my God, Tina's here. Like, I don't even need to see the rest of the cast. Like, Tina's here. I'm in. Let's go. Let's do this. So that gives you an idea of, yes, she didn't win any. But as I said, first ballot Hall of Famer, huge impact on the show. Unbelievable. So excited to have Tina back. And that is all for her. We will move to the last person then. The final 24th contestant here is the person, even over Tina, I am the most excited for. But along with Tina on the female side, we've got Tyler on the male side is the most, for me personally, most anticipated uh, return on the male side. The person I am most excited to see, Tyler Duckworth from originally Real World Key West, four seasons of the challenge under his belt. That would be the dual gauntlet three cutthroat and rivals. He has five daily challenge wins out of 24 tries. He's four and two in eliminations. He made two finals, cutthroat and rivals. He won two championships, cutthroat and rivals, of course. And he won $90,000 in the process, which is, again, another way where you can say uh, the money was a little different back then. Also, cutthroat, their team was huge that they then split a decent-sized check, but was split amongst five of them or 
six of them, however many there were, so barely got like any money out of that. And then Rivals uh, split the hundred grand, I believe it was, with Johnny Bananas. Never got disqualified. Those are his stats. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Tyler and why we're so thrilled to have him back in our lives. We'll just talk. We'll start with the number one thing. Uh, it's just fantastic interview, quote, witty, funny, just amazing in the confessional room, amazing in the house, in the moment, when, as people are having conversations, always adds entertainment to it. But that's just the show side, and that's a very simple thing. Uh, there's a thousand examples we could give, but he's amazing on that side of thing. But on the sports side of thing, too, um, maybe the OG swimmer, uh, huge swimming background, always was, uh, he was, uh, you know, athletically, um, people never never totally realized how kind of dominant he was in that that part of the game is that he was always one of the best athletes on the show um and it was because of the swimming background and i think he and wes were kind of the first two people to as swimming became more and more of a thing on the show that they would always be in the water especially in finals find themselves having to swim at some point it was like oh this guy actually has a swimming background and now that they're making them swim kind of a decent amount that's a huge advantage to have to not just be athletic but to have that specific athleticism so he's got that background um and he has one of if not the greatest finals performance ever great and i and i mean it when i say that probably the greatest finals performance ever on rivals people talk about jordan michael jordan's flu game not enough people talk about tyler duckworth's flu finals when he gets i believe they eventually said like straight up like pneumonia or something to that degree two-day overnight finals he is deathly ill uh and at the end of the in the first day he you know could barely uh, they're not sure he's even going to be able to compete or even going to be able to try. He goes forward. He gets through a two-day brutal final. They get the win, his second win. He goes out a champion, and it, it's just one of the best finals performances ever. Um, to finish one of these finals in any condition or shape is one thing, but to do it with being severely ill is just a whole, and not even to finish, but to win, uh, just amazing. He all, they also, he and Bananas, his partner that season, had, um, the, uh, very famous final elimination before the final bananas and Tyler versus CT and Adam in the, the kind of the hall brawl esque, uh, there was an X dug in the ground and you had to run from one side back and forth to move five balls from one side to the other. And you would run into each other in the middle and they won just barely, uh, beat Adam and CT who were their kind of biggest one of their biggest competitors the whole season long on the male side of that season rivals is an unbelievable season in its own right. He also has was the other part. we got a lot of the parts of the infamous bananas backpack that weren't actually CT or bananas in this one. Cause the one, the other one that had to face CT in that infamous elimination is Tyler on cutthroat where he got his first title on the red team who dominated that whole season and Tyler kind of famously on that season was called out throughout it by bananas, um, jokingly at first, but then legitimately once he eventually lost of uh, Tyler's strategy the whole time was he was just eating and eating and eating the whole season. And he was like gaining some weight throughout his time uh, in the house. And it paid off in a huge way when it came down to the, the backpack challenge versus CT. And he was like, well, I ain't stronger than CT, but like, 
I weigh, I weigh as much as him and I can actually hold my own and kind of hold him still for a little bit here and win this challenge versus bananas. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, just an amazing run, two championships in four seasons. He also, uh, kind of famously, famously to me, um, because it's interesting of not only being tied to bananas for, uh, that rivals win and for being from the real world key West, which we didn't say with, uh, when we talked about Janelle earlier is by far and away. And yes, because bananas stats count in it, but even if bananas stats were cut in half, they might be the far and away winner of the most decorated cast ever in the challenge. As far as like one cast from a show that came into the challenge and, did everything because Tyler has two championships. Paula has two titles. Johnny obviously has his seven. They have a bunch of finals between them, a bunch of money, a bunch of daily challenge wins between them, all of that. Um, so from one of the most decorated casts ever to come into the challenge house. Um, but he also was the one who first season, the dual first elimination, he versus Johnny, where Johnny just incredibly, they have to play the, the game where they have to uh, bet each other how many watermelons they can lift in a big grate and they have to hold whoever you know calls out the other one on their bet eventually has to hold it up for five seconds and Johnny like bets and makes Tyler lift up like 12 watermelons or something he's like um sure and doesn't kicks him off it was just a big moment uh, the guy who went on to potentially be the goat loses his first ever elimination to his real world cast member Tyler Tyler first ballot hall of famer no doubt about it true OG true all-star and I am so thrilled to have him back. And with that, that is the 24th and final person. That is our cast breakdown. I know that took a long time, but there's 24 of them. They all deserved at least a moment of our time. Many of them much more. And I can't wait to get much more with all 24 of them when this season starts. So cast breakdown done. Let's now move into talking briefly. We don't know a lot, but we know a little bit about the location, the host, and the format. Let's touch on that and then dive into our preview and predictions for the season. All right, let's talk the about the very little bit that we know about our host, our format, our location, all the accoutrement of the the All-Stars 2 season here. Obviously, the host will start there, and it's an easy and quick one. Our host is TJ Lavin, as it should be, as every challenge should be, whatever version of the challenge it is. If you want it to be a good one, TJ Lavin's your host. He's the best in the business. Give him all the awards. You know our stance on TJ at this point. I think he's over there on the wall. There's my guy, TJ, right over there. So he's the best in the biz. Uh, my only question with him is just going to be with All-Stars 1. Uh, I mean, TJ has fun on the regular challenge for sure. He has fun everywhere, everywhere in life. That's why he's such an inspiration. What an amazing guy TJ Lavin is. But on All-Stars 1, he was having the most fun. It was, he was giddy. Like, it, he, he, was, he was acting as if it was trivia every single week. What we see from him every season of the challenge at trivia, a 10 out of 10 TJ having the best time. That was what we were getting episode after episode on All-Stars. He clearly loved everything about it. Will he have that same level of enthusiasm? I would say that I bet so, and I hope so. And I'm just happy that TJ's happy, and that makes me happy. So that's your host. As for the format, uh, not much out there. Again, we uh, here at Challenge Historian, we we avoid all all spoilers, which I'll say a couple times here in the next few minutes as we talk about both this format and eventually some predictions and power rankings. We avoid. I know it's it's out there on the internet. You could probably, if you really wanted to, find out who wins already. You could find out who beats who in eliminations. All this info eventually leaks before the seasons, during the seasons, and whatnot. 
But we avoid all of that. So all we know is what we saw basically in the trailer and from and from what was last season and what's kind of, you know, been announced to which I haven't watched every single one of them. They put out a lot of videos on the challenge Instagram account. I haven't watched every single one. So maybe they've leaked something within those that I would count as, you know, that's proper MTV challenge channels that is allowed information in my book. Um, but I, I doubt they have. So as far as the format, we don't know anything about it. The trailer, though, clearly on the the daily challenge side or what I assume are daily challenges happening, I could be wrong in them, um, we're seeing both individual pairs and teams. There's at least one moment where there are a bunch of people working together to put together a big old puzzle. Um, there was you know, definitely a clearly a trivia challenge of them over water. I assume that's Katie at the end of the... At the end of the uh, trailer, begging not to fall into the water was a trivia challenge. Um, so it seems like we're going to get a mixture of types of daily challenge. And it seemed, although they were very, very quick, it seemed to be every the glimpses of the arena, as I'm going to call it, assuming they call it that again after the first season, they called the elimination area the arena, uh, was maybe it'll be something different since it is different location, different everything. Uh, but the eliminations look to be singles and pairs, both which would follow very much the format of All-Stars 1, where partway through the season, they went from single-person eliminations, alternating guy-girl weeks, to a pairs elimination to get rid of some folks faster, all part of this much more consolidated, quick timeline. We get 10 episodes of this. I assume, again, have no idea, but there's 24 people, and I'm going to guess that they're trying to get a 10-person final, same as they did on All-Stars 1, I'm basically assuming the whole thing is basically just a complete redux of All-Stars 1, that everything is, uh, format-wise, is basically the exact same. Maybe they'll have a lifesaver. Maybe they won't. Maybe there'll be some, some different twist um, than the lifesaver to have one little tiny like twist of something in there. But otherwise, I, I'm assuming it's going to be a very straightforward free agents style season where they're playing as individuals. Sometimes the daily challenges will be teams or pairs or a full on individual. And the winner will get to pick someone to go in and the rest of the people will vote on someone else. And they start as single person eliminations to keep as much of the cast around. And then when they need to speed up, they move to double person, whether that will mean two people voted in one person voted in and they get to pick their partner the way they did on All-Stars 1. Who knows? But it seems like we'll get essentially the way All-Stars 1 was kind of a shortened free agents style season uh, that this will also be under that same same parameters. And that makes me very happy. That's those are that's honestly my favorite. I mean, free agents is one of my favorite seasons ever, but it's also one of just my favorite formats ever of, in, you know, bake the changing up of everything into the format of the thing of let it be known the whole time. It's individuals. You're an individual. Think about yourself and yourself alone, and eventually you will be winning this as an or losing this as an individual. But along the way, you might have to because we got to have fun, interesting daily challenges. You might work as a team. You might work as a pair. You might be an individual, but your stake in the game is based on you and you alone. Uh, I always really liked that season for that and, and any of the other seasons that they've done something similar. It's why the dual seasons are some of my favorite seasons as well. And it's why All-Stars was so great. I thought it really worked well with that format. And it looks like we're going to get pretty much the same thing, which I am all for. I am guess I'm, I'm hoping that it's not some sort of like you're in pairs and these are your pairs for three weeks, but you can change them. Now you're in teams. Now you're an individual. And but actually staying in that other than more than just the actual daily challenge itself, um, the 
you know, one of the things everyone clamors for all stars over the regular show is definitely the clarity in the format, the more simplicity in the format. So hopefully they, I, I would assume they, they, they clearly knew that for, with free age or free agents one with all stars one, and they're not going to mess with that formula at all for all stars two. And we will just kind of maybe have this like static formula. This is the format of all stars. This is what you are playing. This is what you are coming to play every single time. So that's the format as for the location it's in Cancun. That is the only single. I don't know that that's actually been like stated clearly in any of in the trailer, or any of the videos they've put out as the one single thing. Uh, I was willing to kind of very carefully do a quick search of on the internet and make confirm without seeing any other spoilers or anything. But they're in Cancun, Mexico, which we've mentioned multiple times with three real world Cancun alumni on this season of All Stars. And this is perfect just because, as we said when we first mentioned it with either Jasmine or John A or whoever, Derek, whoever it was when we mentioned it, going through all the cast, Mexico is the best location. (laughs) All the seasons of the challenge could be in Mexico. I know that would be a little less fun for the people actually on the show. Um, And even for us as viewers, it is cool that they go all around the world. We see all these different types of places. But warm weather challenges are just better. They're just flat out better. And Mexico's always produced good challenges, as I said before, Mexico and Thailand. Uh, are kind of the top top dogs in my mind, even if some of my favorite locations ever might not have been there. Those have been like one-off ones. Mexico and Thailand have each got multiple challenges under their belt and have always provided a great locale. And this time I expect nothing different. So that's your host. That's your format. That's your location. Now let's get to the final portion of this preview extravaganza. Let's talk a little bit about some preview of what I'm hoping for, what I'm expecting, and yes, what I am predicting. We are going to steal the the format we use on our, our Tuesday review preview pods for each episode to kind of do our final, more high-level general preview of this entire season. So we're going to do our hoping for, expecting, and predicting. And as part of those predictions, we will fill in uh, not a full power ranking. We're not going to do all 24 people in a power ranking, but a top three on the male and the female side. So Let's start all of that off with what I am hoping for. Three things I am hoping for on this season. Number one, I if it wasn't clear going through the uh, casting breakdown, I am hoping for as much Tina, Tyler, and Jasmine as I can get. Uh, those three, uh, among a lot of the people that I am very excited to see back on our screens here, those three are probably the three that maybe excite me the most when I saw their names and thought about uh, what it would be like to have them back in the challenge universe, back in the fold on an all-star season. I just get giddy about it. So I want as much of those three people as possible. As long as they are on the show, give me everything you've got, every piece of footage you've got of whatever they're doing. I'm sure it'll be entertaining. Love all three of them. So happy to have those three back and are definitely uh, kind of the people I am. I might be, I not, they might not be mentioned as much in the predictions coming up, um, but as far as who I'm rooting for, if I, if I allow my biases to come through, I would love nothing more than to see Tina, Tyler, and Jasmine, all three, in a final on this season. Second thing I am hoping for is, regardless of if it's one of those three people or anyone else, one or two standout stars of all stars. I would love, I, I would really liked last season that there was a couple people, Tech early on, Kendall kind of the first whole two thirds of the season. John A definitely had a little bit of a star turn moment on all stars one. I really enjoyed that, you know, 
they they keep the cast a little smaller on these than the regular show um, for many different reasons. But I really enjoyed it that a few people did kind of stand out and really got to like it wasn't just like hey let's really try to divide this up amongst everyone. Let's do kind of the where are they now with every single person and be real real egalitarian about it and not really really dive on any one specific person. So I hope there is kind of one or two standout stars that can become kind of, you know, they're all all stars, but they're all on the show. But then, you know, if they're going to do, just have season after season after season of this, I would love for each season to kind of have some standout people. So I'm hoping there's one or two people that are just real clear, standout, awesome, amazing, iconic seasons that are the stars of all stars. Third thing I am hoping for, and final thing that I'm hoping for, is this is, is pretty mean to me. Some would say it's borderline sadistic of me, but I think it would be hilarious. Last season, uh, first episode of All Stars 1, they made Letarian and Ace who had to go in and do a pole wrestle, and it was freaking brutal. It was difficult to watch at times as pole wrestle can be, no matter who is doing it. Uh, it was very physical, very brutal. And uh, it was also amazing television. And I know that those two people maybe didn't think it was so amazing that I actually had to get in there and do it. I know it might be a little more, even more dangerous at the age of these participants than it is at the, even at the age, uh, still great danger that they put the action, the regular show, that cast in when they make them do eliminations and challenges of that nature. But I've got to be honest to myself and I've got to say it. I want to see these people in football pads. I want to see them bring a hall brawl to the challenge all-stars. Do I think they will do it? No. I think I think they they know how incredibly lucky they are that they continue to get away with doing hall brawl on the regular challenge season, which I love. I'm a fan of. I'm a big proponent of continue to do it. I'm just kind of amazed that in 2021 we're still there's for liability purposes, they haven't had to remove that specific game. So while you still get to do it for as long as you get to do it, bring it to all stars. Uh, it's, you know, a staple of the challenge. And I, I, I would, I just think it would be hilarious. Um, and would be fascinating. Just, just the reaction shots of all of the people walking into the elimination arena ring, whatever it's called this season and seeing the hall in the middle <laughs> I, I would pay, I would, I would just watch literally if you put out like a 30 to 60 second clip of the people walking in and as they turn a corner and see the hall, everyone's face one after the other, I would pay money just for that little short clip. So that's what I'm hoping for. What I'm expecting on this season, I am expecting, as I kind of mentioned when discussing the format, I'm fully expecting just all stars one done all over again, no changes, Lean, if anything changed, just leaning even harder into the classic challenge-related dailies, eliminations, themes, and silliness. I expect there to be another daily challenge where they brought back last season on All Stars One. They did the hey, you've got to you've got to melt this block of ice. You can pee on it. You can have fake sex against it. You could use one other person and rub them back and forth on it. You can spit on it. You can kick it. You can do whatever you want. But get silly, make noises. We're going to make a bunch of sexual puns. We're going to laugh at how absurd all of this is. I bet there's going to be a challenge like that. I would assume, you know, trivia, obviously, it was even very clearly in the uh, trailer. I think we're going to get even more than last season where they started off very quickly with like, hey, we're doing classic eliminations. You're going to know all these eliminations and you're going to 
kind of know most of their scene, most of these daily challenges, and then they kind of ebbed and flowed how much of that they were doing. I think this one, they're going to lean even harder into like every one of the daily challenges is one you've seen before or very clearly inspired by something you've seen before. And every one of these eliminations is something you have seen, not just once, but multiple times, or maybe was a very random one, but you saw it once and it was an iconic one for this reason or that reason or who was in it or what happened. So I expect... All-Stars 1, just done all over again, not to change anything about it because it worked so damn well the first time. And if anything, just to dial it up even further. If All-Stars 1 was like an 8 out of 10 on the let's just pound them with classic challenge goodness, this one will be a 9 or a 10. They're just going to keep turning that dial up and up. The second and final thing I am expecting is, I will say, I am expecting there to be a pretty clear divide right away in the... I don't know what the the nicest, politi- most politically correct way to say um, the kind the athletes and the non athletes necessarily. Uh, I think they're you know on the regular season of the challenge, there's always a pretty good divide uh, amongst like who's actually like training for this shit and trying to do this shit. And it doesn't mean they're always going to be the ones that win or all make the finals or anything, but are just treating it a different way than others who might be there more for the show or the fun or like I'm have fun competing, but I ain't training like I'm a professional athlete. like some of you do. I think that divides even bigger in in the realm of all stars. And if we do a bunch of these seasons, I think there's going to be many of them where it's like very clear, like, Oh, all right. These people are all in, you know, their mid to late thirties and their forties. Some of them even crossing the 50 barrier or whatever. And some of them are, you know, have been trainers for 30 years now. And it's like, damn, that person's 46. No way. And there'd be other people that are like, yeah, I barely, barely jogged when I came on the show when I was 26. I'm 38 now. You think I care about going out for a 10 mile run? No, thank you, TJ. I think that gap is going to be pretty, pretty obvious right away. And whether that means, you know, the the people on one side or the other of that are going to be the ones that make it further in the game. I don't know. But and I'm not and I'm not saying that it, it would. But uh, I think that divide I'm expecting that divide to be pretty clear right away. Um, and whether that matters in the politics of the house and the social game um, or not, or is even brought up, I think it will be very clear for us as viewers. Um, so that's what I'm expecting. Now, let's get to what I am predicting. And uh, we will we'll do the power ranking actually after the predictions, but the, the power ranking will probably be pretty obvious based, you'll be able to fill a lot of it in based on the predictions. But uh, for this season, uh, when we do our recaps, uh, when we've been doing, I believe we did it for All-Stars 1, uh, which was the first season we were doing podcast recaps here at Challenge Historian. And we've certainly been doing it obviously for Spy Lies and Allies, where we've added a prediction to our season-long predictions every single week. That has been a little more difficult to do uh, the longer the season is gone. Uh, it would be easier with the 10-episode season. But I don't know that we're going to be doing that. But up front, I do want to put my name on the line, my my prognosticator reputation on the line. And I'm not just going to give you one simple prediction. I am going to go all the way and tell you who will win, who will make the finals, and who will be the first to go home. Now, the only caveat to that is for the first to go home and who I believe will win, I am going to give you a male and a female name. Everything I just said about all the format and everything before, I do expect that there is going to maybe potentially only be one person that ultimately wins in the end, although part of me thinks they might move to a male and female winner or maybe a pair winner somehow down the line. 
on this season or future ones, um, just so they never have to worry about uh, you know one one person or one side dominating everything, or these people maybe not being as inclined to come back if they're like, all right, well, like you know, Brad's a fuck, you know, Brad trains way way harder than this. I'm like, we're not we're not gonna beat him. Is he coming? Great. Well, like we're not. I'm not gonna beat him in a final. So like, I can't actually win the big money. I can only make whatever you pay me to come on the show. I think that could potentially be a problem down the line. So I think they might end up with both. So I'm gonna get say two people to win. So I know it's not quite as courageous of me to just say one single name, but in the because I think there's a chance that there might be two winners in this, and we just don't know that yet, I'm going to give you a male and a female winner. I'm going to tell you all 10 finalists. I expect there to be 10 people in the final based purely on the fact there was 10 people in All-Stars 1 final, and that's kind of their, their magic number that they've come to in finals in the regular show and on All-Stars. So I'm going to tell you all 10 finalists, and I'm going to tell you the first to go home, and I don't know if a woman or a man will go home first or both at the same time, so I'm going to give you one of both on that. So here we go. Let's start with first to go home. I believe they will enter the house, and whatever shakes out, whatever the whoever's getting along right away again, whoever's excited to see each other again, however, whatever the first daily challenge is, how everything that goes, I believe that the first to go home are going to be Sophia and Steve. And I am basing this entirely on the fact, one, I think uh, they will have the least amount of ties with anyone, with the least amount of time in. You know, they both were one person ch- or one one time challengers, and on seasons with less cast members that were now going to be on this All Stars cast, so less connections. I also like the idea of they both come from Road Rules the Quest, and so they know each other really well. And so, if one of them were to come up as like, well, we've someone's got to go first. Let's throw this person in. They might be like, oh, well, that person like they're. Their best, their own, their best friend in the house, their closest alliance early on is is you know if they're throwing Sophia, well Steve is you know her closest alliance or vice versa, and so I could just see the two of them being kind of an easy, not ruffle too many feathers early first one of like let's go with them. So I predict the first to go home. I also predict they would then lose whatever that elimination is. I guess. Um, so the first to go home, Sophia and Steve, mark it down two for two already, nailed it. Let's talk finalists. I'm gonna give you all ten. These are going to be the 10 finalists. And again, I will say, as I said a little bit ago, no spoilers here. I have not, if when I go 10 for 10, when I nail this, absolutely nail all 10 of these names, I promise you, I did not look anything up. I avoid all that stuff. I, I, I hate all of that stuff. I hate, it ruins everything. I don't know why. I know some people feel differently. Some people that are out, you know, doing independent podcasts like myself might even feel differently and kind of lean into that stuff to try to, you know, shape what they want to talk about or whatever. I don't because uh, I want to. I want to watch and react with you. I am a giant, giant fan of the show the same way any of you listening are, and that is why I even do a podcast about it in the first place. Is because I just love this stuff and I love talking about it. So no spoilers here. I promise you, but. These are the 10 people who will make the finals because I, I'm just that good of a prognosticator when it comes to the challenge. So uh, I'm going to assume they keep it even across the genders and five guys and five girls will make it from if 10 people make it. On the female side, I believe that Melinda, Janelle, Jasmine, Kendall, and Jody. those are your five female finest. Mark it down. Nailed it. Done. Those are your five finalists. And on the male side, I believe it will be Brad, Darrell, Tyler, Kahuta, and Ryan. Mark those down. So Brad, Darrell, Tyler, Kahuta, Ryan, 
Jody Kendall, Jasmine Janelle, Melinda. Those are your 10 finalists. That is my prediction. And as much as I think I'm about to go 10 for 10, if I even go like four for 10, I'm going to be very proud of myself. So uh, rooting for all of those, I guess, now, just so I can feel smart. And then as for the winner, I believe if I had to put one single name on it, I think Brad is going to win this season of All-Stars 2. And if I'm if I'm able to hedge slightly in that there might be a male and a female winner, or there might be two winners, or that just a second pick at who I think might win if it's not Brad, I am going to go with Jody. So Jody, give me Brad, give me Jody, give me Brad, give me Jody. Those two, one of them or both, uh, I I would like it better of both. I think it would be nice, cooler if there was two winners. Um, same way that you know free agents was uh, the duels were I just think it always it worked a little better than uh than the vendettas I guess is really the one time that they did something similar to all-stars where it eventually was like one person won this final in the end um vendetta's final very entertaining vendetta season very good um hats off to car maria for being that first solo winner ever ever just by herself only one um war of the worlds was okay but also kind of the final didn't work quite as well when it came down to just one person got first, second, third, whatever. I always forget that when that one when I mention individual winners. But Brad and Jody, anyways, back to the topic again. Those are your winners. Main reason is I just think athletically uh, they're going to be kind of at the top of the class in that way. I also think for Brad specifically why I think if there's one single winner of this, I think it's going to be him, is I think there is something to be said of – on the regular season of the show and even more on all stars is how bad does someone want to win versus how bad does someone just want to be on the show and have some fun and see some friends and everything. And I think Brad is coming on this desperate to win, which by the way, that that's, and that's a positive thing in my book. If I was going on the show, I would be desperate to win. And I think he wants to go on and win and really establish even more his name and legacy in this game. And so just, just, I mean, looking at him, he's in, seems like, and following him a little on Instagram, dude's in great shape. Uh, I think he will be able to navigate politically and strategically. And I think that he is just plenty good enough. You know, I, he's no puzzle king, but he's certainly not someone who I'd look at and be like, well, they can't, you know, they can't figure out a puzzle. So they're fucked if they have to do that by themselves. None of that. I think he's plenty serviceable on the puzzle side, physical side. He's going to be at the top of his class. I think he gets the win in the end. And I would say if someone else were to beat him or if there was a male and a female winner, I'm going with Jody for a lot of the similar reasons. I think very, uh, not necessarily underrated, a little bit forgotten as far as how good she was on these shows. And again, winning the very, the first ever individual male, female the on the duel being the first individual female winner. And, who knows? I have, I have did not do any even social media deep dives on any of these folks, really, other than the couple that I ha- just happened to already follow. So uh, don't know what kind of shape she's in or any of the other the ladies are in, really, or pretty much any of the people on the show, almost, other than like four, the four or five of them that I follow on my personal Instagram account outside of my Challenge Historian Instagram account. 
um, where I follow all of them, but I don't necessarily see everything or they're not all posting their fitness regimens on there. But I think Brad and Jody are the winners. I think the finalists are Brad Durrell, Tyler Cahutta, Ryan, Jody, Kendall, Jasmine, Janelle, and Melinda. And I think the first to go home are Sophia and Steve. And that brings me to our power rankings going in. We will keep power rankings every single week of All-Stars. We're going to start for now with just three females, three males, and limited to that, we'll probably go to a, a list of five on each side um, so that there's a little more room for movement and debate. But going into the season, if I was to lay odds, uh, if we went under the assumption there was a male and a female winner here, uh, purely best chance to win the whole thing. On the female side, I'm going Jody, Kendall, Tina, one, two, and three for a mixture of athletic, social, political, everything into it. Who's going to kind of have good ties, who's going to be able to run the house, who's going to be comfortable right away again, all those things. On the male side, Darrell, Brad, Cahutta. I think Darrell has to be at the top of the power rankings, even if I think that uh, I my pick to win is Brad. But uh, I think Darrell is just, he's, you know, Mark Long is the godfather of the challenge, but Darrell is the one in this house, especially with Mark Long not on this season, Darrell is kind of just the standard bearer of the show. The face, the long, long-term face of a franchise, one of the people that early in his career, you know, the original GOAT, then vaulted to becoming a face of the franchise, came back into the regular franchise later on, has been around on recent seasons, is very active on, you know, the aftermath shows and just in the MTV world in general and in the reality television world in general. And I think he has looked to, when they come into this house, he is one that all of them are just going to kind of look to, to like, hey, we haven't done this in a while. What do we do? How do we handle this? Who should we vote for? What should we do? I think he's just going to be similar to what Mark was on last season, where it was just like, uh, you get to go to the final because everyone, no one's going to vote for you because everyone wants you here to kind of just like be a little bit of the house dad, a little bit of our shepherd in this experience, lead us through this, tell us what to do. I think Darrell's, that's why Darrell has to be at the top because he has that Plus, he is as physically talented as any of these people and talented in the challenge world as any of these people coming back. So Darrell, Brad, Kahuta are my top three power rankings on the male side. Jody, Kendall, Tina on the female side. And with that, I think we've covered it all. We've power ranked. We've predicted. Talked about what we hoped, what we'd expect. We talked about all 24 cast members individually. We talked about the trailer at length. We talked about the state of the challenge and where they're going with both parts of the franchise. We talked about all of it. So it's been a long one, I know. I appreciate you being here with me, listening to it all. And uh, if you want more, there's always going to be more. There's going to be a little bit extra content coming out about all the cast members uh, on the Instagram account. So always follow along at Challenge Historian. And as we said at the top of this, going into next week's time, whenever you're listening to this, we All Stars 2 will be starting next Thursday, this upcoming Thursday, whenever you're listening to this. But it will be one of three podcast that we'll be doing every single week we will still be doing our recaps of spies lies and allies you should keep watching that one that season's heating up i've got high hopes for the rest of the season we will be doing those recaps i've got high hopes for all stars too we will be doing the recaps of those on thursdays so spies lies and allies wednesdays all stars to thursdays on tuesday or maybe we might even move to monday who knows we will be doing our review preview getting you ready for the entire week's worth of challenge content will keep you updated on all things going on in the challenge universe out on the social channels the podcast circuit anything that's going on out there that relates to the season or even at this point doesn't we're going to talk about it there on that shorter tuesday review preview show so a lot of content coming your way 
And I appreciate you checking out any bit of it, all of it, anything you do to support this podcast. I could not thank you enough. Again, I do this because I just love, I love the challenge. And I know that if you are still listening to this podcast at this point, you do too. And I appreciate that in you. So with that, I will talk to you again next week when we've got actual all-stars to content to discuss. Until then, I'll talk to you later. Peace. 